Blog Talk Radio. From the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. the middle of December. The chill is coming over America, but it is time for your red hot football party. Hope you all are ready for two hours of football talk starting tonight, previewing week 15 tomorrow and recapping week 14 last week. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Saturday night, December the 14th, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We are ready to break down last week where we both put up 10 wins with four losses and two pushes, and we both got our locks correct. So we are flying high. We finally both feel like we could show off our geniusness and figure out this league a little bit. Maybe it's all coming together. Maybe we're going to both start getting hot at the right time and, and turn our records around. And we've got no excuses to have uh, low energy levels tonight. I'm just pumped up off my 10 wins. I'm just so happy about that. And Jason's got a full pot of coffee, and he's up there in Wisconsin, and I'm down here in Memphis, and we are ready to rock and roll. Jay, how's it going tonight? Doing good. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I had to make some coffee. I didn't want to start dozing off like I did on the last show. Not that that's anything to say about the quality of our show, but I was, I was tired. You know, we do some we do some late shows sometimes, and boy, that 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 started getting to me. So yeah, I'm gonna be pretty wired here tonight. I'm uh, I'm ready for a good show. Got a got a win up on you already to start the week, which always feels good. It's not very often this season that I have started off a game ahead uh, off of a Thursday night win over you. Uh, the, I've I've had a rough rough week of Thursdays this year, so to get that win with Baltimore on. Thursday night was really nice. Not the way I expected that to go. I did not see the Jets putting up 21, but I also yeah, I didn't see that at all. Uh, I thought that they'd get held down, but the Ravens took care of business. Lamar Jackson sets the all-time rushing record for a quarterback, uh, breaking Michael Vick's record, and throws five touchdowns. So, okay, good job. Yeah, that's not how I saw it happening either. Uh, yeah, I, thought I, he was I fear for his life and up. his safety, but <laughs> I, I, these these guys, these running quarterbacks, you know, I, I, I don't. Is he going to be Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, or is he going to be RG three or Colin Kaepernick? You know, I mean, I just fear. I fear for the. I fear for. An injury, especially if it's a leg-related injury, he's not a big guy. He's a bigger guy, but he's not a big guy like Cam Newton, you know. But Cam Newton's clearly—he's dumplings at this point, pretty much. He's falling he's, apart before our very eyes. He's got the bad foot that refused to heal. Yeah, one shoulder, he couldn't—he couldn't throw the football. Yeah, that—that's true. But once that gets healed up, maybe he'll be back to the old Cam. That's, that's time will tell on that, and time will tell on Lamar Jackson. You—you you don't know. 
uh, just sitting here thinking about him, the, the comp that popped in my mind is Allen Iverson, who spent a whole career throwing his body all over the place and wound up playing more than a decade in the NBA at a very high level. And, you know, you fear for it, but it's his style. That's, that's how he got to that level. So you have to let him do what he does. You, otherwise, he's a different guy. You're, you're telling him to be a different player if you try to calm that down. And I don't, I don't think you want to do that. I think uh, at this point, you, you got to let Lamar be Lamar. You know, Pat Mahomes last year, we're kind of worried about him. You got to let Pat be Pat. And uh, he got a little banged up this year. But I think the long-term prognosis is, you know, he's going to be just fine. He's, he's got special talents that you have to let him show what those talents are. You can't really try to neuter him or hold him back or else you're going to wind up with, with a situation where you got a guy who's trying to be something he's not. And that usually does not work out well. And the appreciation that I have for John Harbaugh, I, I don't think he's going to win coach of the year, but he absolutely should because not only have they completely changed the way that they're doing things, but they've embraced it. I mean, they have embraced Lamar Jackson. They have built an offense around him. They have molded with running game with Mark Ingram. They went and they got a burner at wide receiver, and they've got some nice complimentary pieces. They have the good tight end. They And they have redesigned that offense to integrate it to a running quarterback. I mean, he broke the, the rushing record of Michael Vick. Michael Vick never had that. Michael Vick never had an offense that was tailored completely to him and his talent style. And, you know, basically Atlanta just had that, that DVD. You know, we had that Dunn, Vic, Duckett. And that was their DVD offense, which was just, you know, they just ran it down your throats. And, you know, in obvious passing situations, Michael Vick was just more apt to, when things broke down, he was more liable to run. But they still tried to run that as more of a, you know, a regular offense or a style of offense that wasn't just tailored to fit him. I mean, if you had a player of Michael Vick's caliber, because Lamar Jackson is the most Michael Vick type that we've had since Michael Vick. You know, if we picked up Michael Vick out of 2005 and uh, dropped him into this John Harbaugh offense, it would probably look about the same. Yeah. Uh, all credit to the, uh, to the OC who uh, yeah. is that Greg Olson. Is that who that is? Um, yeah. He, he really has put together an offense built around Lamar Jackson's talents uh, building in all those RPOs and, and the tight ends are, you, you can't overstate how important those are as yeah. we've seen last year and this year, when things are tight and, and the pressure is kind of closing in on him, you know what he's going to do. He's going to look for a tight end and zip it to him. And no one can seem to, to stop that. And he's got his choice of tight ends that all seem to have really nice hands. So uh, that that's another uh built-in weapon that Michael Vick didn't have. He didn't have three tight ends that can all go up and, and use their hands and, and make good catches for him. And in other so, Ravens news today, I don't know if you saw Marcus Peters, he got fined $14,000 um, for having the beer with the fan. <laughs> Did you see that? No, I, I missed that. Yeah, that was on the, that was like a little news blurb today. Uh, I found out Marcus Peters got pay, that fine, $14,000 for that celebration, that touchdown celebration he had where he like shared the beer with the fan and wouldn't you know it that barely covered the cost of a beer at an NFL game. Oh. That's uh that's that's one expensive beer. Yeah, have you, have you been to a football game recently? Hey, hey. 
At all the all sporting events, though, it's not just football. Believe me, it, no. as you know, yeah. tell them about the, I know. Uh, what a beer at Wrigley Field costs. Because oh it's my god, ridiculous. ten twelve dollars now. Yeah, for, that's for, for one the beer. Shit beer. That's for the that's for the crap. <laughs> that's for the old style or the Bud Light. I mean, that's just the junk beer. Yeah, no. Yeah, I no, thought that was. I actually liked that celebration. I thought that was pretty funny. That was going back to a previous game, but yeah, they just dropped like a fourteen thousand dollar fine on them. I thought you were going to go Schlitz. You started talking about crap beer. I thought you were going to really go uh, way back. They don't have Schlitz at Wrigley Field. Oh, okay. (laughs) I just remember going going there with our buddy the loser, and he refused to drink Bud because that meant that you were supporting the Cardinals. Oh, dear. So he would drink Old Style, and Old Style makes me, like, deathly ill. It is (laughs) – I I don't know what it is, but I can't drink Old Style. It would make me so sick. So I would always get these looks of disgust from from my friend because I'm drinking Bud or Miller. Oh, you can't drink Miller. You're supporting the Brewers. It's like, oh, my God, would you shut up? The beer gang war. You know what I'm going to do? Then didn't... I'm going to have a Coors just to show you. Oh. And I'm going to go, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Take can't, that. Can't do that. Come on. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to buy three beers. Yeah, I'm going to support all these other teams that are, yeah. <laughs> no, come on. Old style is so bad. And it's like made this comeback. It's like PBR. You know, Pab's Blue Ribbon is like a cool beer now. It's like, come on. It's a cool, cheap it's, beer? Is that, is that how that it's works? Just an, it's an ironic beer. It's like, hey, let's drink it because it's cheap and bad. Oh, okay. It's the hipster yeah. beer. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I'm like the common man. I can drink PR. I can drink anything. I'm one of the yeah. people. Well, you better have an iron stomach if you can drink old style. <laughs> oh, God, deathly ill sitting there at a game and he'd be like, well, no, 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 no. I'd go back and, and this is back when the beers were like five bucks, five fifty, and I'd go and get like the $8 margarita just, just to not have to drink. <laughs> Although who knows what team I was supporting with that. I mean, do we have any tequila sponsored uh, uh, MLB teams, but you, you don't know where it was yeah. made. You know, it might be San yeah. Diego made and it might also, be supporting the Padres. You don't know. <laughs> I would would also like to just put it on the record uh, that I love doing this show, but man, sometimes this show can be your worst enemy. And I am talking about forcing me to watch that Monday night game. (laughs) I didn't force you to watch the Monday night. I'm just saying that it's my lock of the week. It's the game that I need to get back to even with you for the week and to get us both uh, to get me to a 10 win week right along with you. And it was my lock. And it was just an utter and absolute disaster of a football game. It was so painful to watch. I'm like, you know, I could be doing so many better things with my life than watching the two-win Giants against the absolute just horseshit Philadelphia Eagles. But, oh, there I am. There I was. There, there, I, there beer, I was. Beer in hand watching that Monday night football game. And, oh, man, the things I do for this show, the, the sacrifices that I make. Watching uh, Eli Manning look really good in the first half to just completely shit the bed in the second half. But I, 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 I wanted, and I also had the Giants, my, my bold prediction, I had the Giants to win straight. And I looked really good. I looked yeah. really good on that. And even when I knew the pick was golden, like six, eight minutes to go in the game, it's like there's no way the Eagles are winning this by 10. Right. I still watched it all the way through to the end. See, don't blame that on the show. That's, that's just you. Had to that's make your sure. bad life choice. Damn it. 
bad life choices. That's me. That was a bad was life about, choice right there. I'm going to ask you. You're saying the show made you watch this game, and you're sacrificing to make you. So, what did you learn from watching that game? What What information did you glean from watching the Eagles and the Giants on Monday night? That I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's what I learned. I learned that I'm an absolute idiot because I watched that entire game and I should have just skipped it, but it was my lock and I didn't want to give back a lock to you, right? I wanted to stay up one in the locks. Um, a 10 and four week is absolutely going to go a long way towards helping my percentages, which is going to, even though you didn't gain on me in the standings, my percentage gets pulled up quite a bit by going 10 and four. So it actually does start to compress things a little bit more between us. And then that point from the locks is very important. So it made an Eagles-Giants crap game on a Monday night watchable for me. And for any new listeners, when we get to the playoffs, and we'll explain yeah. our point system uh, when we get to the playoffs, but, yeah, the season percentages, that's, that's what matters. That's the big number. Uh, that's why we pick them all. We pick every single game, and we come out with the – true percentage at the end of the uh, regular season and that's what determines our point levels for the playoffs everyone else can go around and cherry pick and say these are my five must-have games of the week but no we pick them all and and that's how you get the the true percentage and the true measurement of of, of good pickers I think anyone can cherry pick and and talk about their 65 percent percentage or whatever just cherry picking certain games but our percentage every year you go back on our blog it's right there for you every single game we pick them all, and we, we I think that's the truest measurement of of, of good handicapping is, is picking every game and seeing what the what the percentage is at the end of the year. So that, that's how that's how we feel about that. Yeah, and more often than not, we always are hovering somewhere in that 500 range. And having done this for you know 30 years, and the last 27 of those against the spread. Uh, 500 or coming in around 500 consistently year after year after year, it's not easy to do when you're picking against the spread. When you think about all the bad beats, when you think about that garbage push that you put on me uh, last <laughs> week in that Minnesota Detroit game. Um, Gotta love garbage time. Yeah, it was a total garbage time push that saved you a loss. Um, and, you know, but I, I still can't complain about bad beats after what happened to you. So exactly. I can't I, complain, but it was, it, it should have moved me up another game over you for the week, but I'll still take it. I, I mean, I, I would have taken 11, four and one to your 10, five and one, but Hey, we both get to, like you said, we both get to rattle a saber this week and, and, and show off the geniusness. And thinking about our seasons against the spread, those first 15 or 20 years, we would have years where we were uh, under 500 and some of those years we would no. be well under 500. So I think uh, since around the time we started the blog or so that we are both on the we streak of up, really yeah. nice seasons. Yeah. Like neither one of us are doing like 20 games or 30 games under 500, except for maybe once in a while, once in a blue moon yeah. uh, would that used to be a little more common a uh, few years ago. But I, it, I think it's been something where we, the more we do this, uh, like you said, 30 years, uh, and the more that we sort of study and, and learn some of these organizational tendencies, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. 
I think uh, when you get stuck on a pick, like I did for about eight of these games this coming week, uh, you just kind of the, the tiebreaker for me. I don't. I, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, a lot of the times the tiebreaker is well, this organization just blows. So this team's going to find a way to lose this game just because the organization has spent 15, 20 years uh, not knowing their ass from a hole in the ground. And I think that has a lot to do with it is, is learning these teams and these organizations and the the GMs and the coaches and the assistant coaches. And and you go, okay, these two look like they're evenly matched on paper, but we know one coach is an idiot and the other is not. And we know one organization finds a way to fuck stuff up and the other one doesn't. And and that sort of makes the difference. Yeah. I mean, it comes up, ever so often on this show, but 30 years of picking games and we've only had one time in 30 years, uh, somebody blow out the other one so bad that the playoffs didn't matter one time in 30 years. So so we're we're always right there pretty much. And then even in the seasons where, you know, I mean, we've had, I mean, I'm glad we weren't doing Well, you should be glad we weren't doing this show uh, back in the, early 2000s when I was pulling out those crazy uh, wins over you uh, with those playoff runs. <laughs> you were the master of the uh, the divisional round weekend. Division you round, undefeated yeah. for years yeah. on those. And I was just like, how? How do you keep doing this? And making up all those those big points. Like I said, the point system will explain it. There's there's big points to be gained in the and divisional round. That's the round. biggest in the division round. We've never revamped the system, but the division round is the most valuable round. Um, because there's that's the most, the most potential points. You know, it's a the twelve total point points. That's yeah, right. and that's the twelve point week. So even though the individual games are worth more later, because there are four games each worth three points in our standings, that has the highest. Um, that has the highest point potential. And yeah, there are a few seasons where you'd be one in three in division round, and I'd be four and oh. And then all of a sudden that whole thing would flip. Yeah. Wipes out a whole season of progress. I'm like, God damn it. Very, very This year we're pretty tight. So we're only got three weeks left to go here. We're already into the last of those three weeks. And, you know, the first of those three weeks, I should say. And I'm, I'm. this week, we, this is a weird one. I, I struggled with some of the picks this week because there are some odd games and some odd lines on, on, the, on the schedule this week. Yeah, remember we had a little discussion a, a few weeks ago about, uh, I think maybe it was my theory that I brought it up, that to me, any spread in between like four and seven is sort of Vegas saying, we, we don't know. Because if the team is a solid favorite, they're going to be touchdown or more. And if it's uh sort of a pick them, then it's going to be that home cop-out spread three or less. And when you get to like right. five, five and a half, and, and six and all that, that to me, that's sort of like the, the question mark games where it seems like the betters and Vegas kind of really don't know which way to go, so they just kind of throw a number out there and let it move up and down based on where the money is going, and that's where it ends up. We got a lot of five and six and, and six and a half point spreads this week, a lot more than we normally do. Uh, we've got five games that are between five and six and a half, and that's a lot. So uh, I, I definitely don't feel great about uh, putting up another 10-win week this week. And like I said, about half of these games, I, I didn't know sitting down here a couple hours ago which way I was going to go. So I – Well, good. I, I'm, you, <laughs> you, I wasn't the only one. 
looking at something yeah. and going, eh. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that's going to be uh, something to consider when we uh, pick our Week 15 games. Is uh, A lot of them, we're going to have a, not, a, not a whole ton of confidence on them. It's what it yep. sounds like. So a lot of pick through, a lot to pick through here over week 14. Um, I don't know if you want to start obvious or if you want to go a little bit more uh, off the script uh, just, here. But what, what stood out uh, to you? Uh, killing off that Monday night BS, um, that the, I didn't learn any much of anything either. Well, I guess I learned that the, the Eagles are, are trash. The Eagles, I, I've, are trash. I've been... the Eagles are trash. The Cowboys are trash. Can we just decide that the NFC East is the worst division in football? Can we just get that uh, out I, of the I, way? I talked about that meme that I saw on social media about four trash cans lined up with the <laughs> NFC East logos on them because the entire division – I literally still, trash. I still stand by, and I said this back way back when they went to the realignment and they went to the eight four-team divisions, that every year you're going to get that one division where eight and eight or seven and nine might win it just because of the, you know, it's so spread out. And this year it's the NFC East, the Eagles and the Cowboys. Neither one of them want to win it. One of them loses, then the other one loses worse. Right. I mean, you had the Cowboys lose a bad one, and then the Eagles lose to the Dolphins. I don't want it. it. You take like, it. I don't want yeah, it. It looked like the Eagles were about to lose to the Giants and Eli Manning, and I was going to look like the smartest guy for a day because I had that straight. Um, but then in the second half, the Giants just completely got away from airing it deep downfield, and they got conservative, and the underneath stuff wasn't there. And the Eagles just sort of kind of picked and chipped away, and 14 points down in this NFL is nothing with the rules set up the way they are. And, you know, Eagles got the ball to start the overtime and they just went and scored the touchdown. And that's it. They ran, they took their ball and they went home. The the Eagles made me sick as somebody who who picked them and and loved on them all year. And then they They still make the playoffs. Uh, we are uh, sometime part-time media critics on this show as well as, as football handicappers. The only thing that made me sicker than the Eagles play on Monday night is the way ESPN treated the Eli Manning comeback like it was Joe Montana making one last start before he rides off into the sunset. The way they covered it, they got the, the shot of his wife in the booth. They got Peyton Manning yeah. up there. Uh, they they covered it like it was like a, a great football legend uh, making one last run at it, and it was it was nauseating. Like, what are you people and he only think got this? To start. He only got to start because Daniel Jones had a high ankle sprain. This isn't a legend that got one last start because he deserved it. The, the rookie that replaced him got hurt. That's why yeah. he's in there. And they're treating it like it's it's Willie Mays making one last run. Like, Stop it. God. The funny part funny part about that the angle that they're not portraying to you the angle that you and i and any smart sports fan understands is that organization wanted eli manning nowhere near the football field right so eli but eli manning he played that first half he played with some pride he threw a couple of really nice deep balls they got those two touchdowns they got the two touchdown lead and then that thing just went into shutdown mode like the giants realized who they were and the Eagles realized that, hey, we're slightly better than the Giants, and they played like it in the second half, and they won the game. So we really don't need to, be, to belabor that game. So the, either the Cowboys or the Eagles are going to make the playoffs, and that's great. 
but I don't think either one of us have any high expectations for either one of those teams. And that was with the Cowboys just coming off, giving up 31 to the Bears on that Thursday night. Right. No, I was so only bringing it like up. They were about to go down again after the Cowboys mm-hmm. handed them another chance. Yeah, I, I was only bringing it up to, for the media outlet and, and the oh, coverage yeah. of Eli, which is just like, why are we treating him like he's a, a great again? One game now under 500 with that loss for for his career. It's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback with a losing record, and Joe Namath is pretty much the standard bearer for for losing records who get into the Hall of Fame, and he kind of had that guarantee thing, which is a, a pretty big deal. Eli's claim the famous he's going to beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. That's it, and he played for New York. That's that's why he's going in the Hall of Fame. That's it. So quite nauseating uh, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, a lot to a lot of good stuff to pick from for for both of us with our our ten win weeks and matching locks. So you got your lock with the uh, with the Giants with the Eli uh, redemption story. You 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 were all over that and you nailed that. Uh, so my lock was uh, one that you agreed with uh, as far as the pick goes was the Chiefs over the Patriots. Uh, yeah, Kansas finally City, yeah, we finally put our money where you finally put your money where the mouth. Uh, what you know what I'm trying to say? Jesus, Christ. easy for you to say. <laughs> no, it's not. Apparently, um, yeah, you finally put your money where your mouth is and backed the. Not so much backed the Chiefs. You went against the paper champion Patriots, and that was a good. That was a good call on your part. So I'll give you full credit on that one. Uh, Patriots went through that three game stretch, four game stretch. They didn't even look that good against the Eagles. You know, Eagles, Cowboys. Uh, Texans, Chiefs. If you watched just those four games of the Patriots, you would not think you were watching a ten and three football team. I've never thought I was watching a ten and two, ten and three yeah. football team. I've always wondered how they possibly got that record. Uh, the Chiefs held off the Patriots with their quarterback Pat Mahomes injuring his throwing hand pretty early in the contest yeah. and sort of having to change their style and their game plan and, and plan around that. Luckily, they have one of the greatest offensive minds uh, in the history of football, Andy Reid, that he can figure out a way to win that game even with that. Uh, and, yeah, they, they got referee help. Let's let's address that right off the bat. Yes, a terrible call. Uh, Nikhil Harry uh, was ruled out at the three-yard line on a clear touchdown catch, um, and that was a very, very bad call, and the Patriots could not challenge because uh, Bill Belichick, the genius, had used up a, a challenge already. Uh, both of his challenges. Um, so, yeah, terrible, terrible refereeing. There's been terrible refereeing throughout the league for many years. This is not anything really new. That was an especially egregious, bad missed call. I, I'll agree with all of that. Uh, there's no doubt it was, it was a terrible, terrible call. The New England Patriots were allowed to score from the three-yard line at that point. It was first and goal. They had chances to, to put the ball in the end zone. They were allowed to score a touchdown anyway, even even though they scored one and it was taken away from them by a terrible, terrible referee call. They were allowed to go get another touchdown. They couldn't do it. They were they were just bad. Uh, Jacoby Myers could have made it right. He had a terrible drop in there. Uh, they they had their chances and they couldn't they could not take advantage of it because they're paper champions and their offense is not very good and bordering on bad. And Tom Brady might be a, a, a reason for that, not just a victim of, of lack of talent, but also a victim of his own shortcomings and 
uh, is not looking very good for the Patriots. Uh, prognos- my prognosis has pretty much been the same the whole way, that they're not as good as their record indicates. They've been uh, a lot of, of really bad opponents early in the year. We've, we've talked about it as the year went on, and I foresaw this coming, that when the schedule turned around and they got some bad opponents or some opponents that were much better, that they would play uh, bad and they would play much worse than they have been playing against those great uh, opponents as far as the – easy for me to say, as far as their uh, early schedule, which was great for them, and now this schedule is not so great for them, and, and you're seeing the results right now. The, the Chiefs, they, they had every chance to beat the Chiefs. They had uh, – the quarterback is hurt, got his ha- hand banged up. They, they, got, they had chances and, and could not take advantage of it. And, and on a different day, maybe they do take advantage – but on this day, they didn't, and the Chiefs got that victory, and I, I really needed that. I was, uh, I, like you said, I was putting my money where my mouth was. I've been talking so much trash about the Patriots all this time, um, and thankfully the Chiefs uh, came through for me. It wasn't easy, um, but but they did hold them off. Right. So both of our locks came through. That's a rare occurrence, right there. I mean, after after we had Very. our lock intervention uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I would say, obviously, I'll just, I got to go to the, uh, the uh, elephant in the room here and just talk about the, uh, tell me you saw 94 points being scored in that Niners Saints game. (laughs) Uh, I did not see 94 points being scored. I did get to watch that game uh, in my local area. And that was a treat uh, because that was two offenses and two offensive minds just swapping and, and trading plays and going back and forth. And it was, it wasn't just scoring a, a lot of points. It wasn't just putting up a lot of yards. It was the innovation uh, of plays. It was the uh, clear setting up of other plays later on with, with this fake and that ghost action and uh, this RPO and this time they're going to hold and, and, uh, there's Taysom Hill running some RPOs, and uh, clearly he's go- he's setting up to throw a-, a deep bomb later on. You could tell that they were just setting that up uh, every time he ran the ball. It's like, okay, eventually he's not going to run. He's going to drop back. Uh, it-, it was just uh, – I-, I won't even go down the list of all the plays, but it was just – it was a different level of innovation and, and setting up plays and execution uh, – and and it was like they had these plays in a in a reserve or something. It was almost like Sean Payton and Kyle Shanahan got together before the before the season began and said, "Here's a whole bunch of plays that we're going to come up with that we're not going to run all year, and we're going to save it for that game in the Superdome when we get to to play each other in Week 14." Uh, it, it seemed like they were breaking out special plays just for that game, and it was an amazing back and forth uh, artillery battle uh, in which the 49ers wind up with the last shot with the field goal set up by uh, an absolutely beastly catch and run by George Kittle, who was getting his face mask yanked the entire time and did not care. It just said, fuck you, fuck everybody else on your team. I'm going down this sideline anyway, and I'm going to put us in field goal range pretty much all by myself um, on a fourth down, no less. Uh, 
So it, it was just amazing to, to watch that game. And you get the feeling if New Orleans had the last possession, they would have went down and scored and, and, and pulled that game out. So it was one of those type of games. Um, and everybody said it, and I'll echo it, if that's a possible uh, NFC title game preview, if that's going to be a rematch, sign me up. I don't care about any other potential matchup in the NFC uh before that one, if that if that's the that's the top draft pick for uh, an NFC title game is is Niners Saints. Uh, I'm all for that rematch. Right, that game was that game was just insane. And normally, I would be the first one to be crotchety old man and railing against a 48 to 46 game. You know that I'm not a big fan, yes. but you're right. I, I I dubbed this the oh yeah, watch this bowl because that was the yeah. whole game. Yeah, every every coach was like, oh, okay, oh yeah, watch <laughs> this, and then 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 you just see something else more bizarre and exotic, and yeah, it was it was two offensive minded head coaches pulling out all the stops, probably both of them knowing that they're playing for home field advantage. They played like this this was a playoff game. This was two teams who were probably playing for the right to have to play in the other guy's building or in their own. You know what I mean? for what potentially could be the Super Bowl. And that played exactly that way. I think the most stunning part for me was that they actually called the face mask at the end of that game, although that's pretty blatant. That one you can't ignore. He was being tackled by his face for a good 15 yards? Right. There's a man running with his face mask in his hand. For 15 yards, you Even can't the ignore NFL that. officials can't miss that. We've seen so many, you know, because nobody, again, nobody rails against a face mask call more than I do. How blatantly they miss these, and to see that get called, which was always a relief when they, when these obvious face mask penalties get called, but then to realize just how far Kittle was fighting while a guy was trying to tackle him by his face, not giving up the football, which wouldn't have mattered because that all would have been negated anyways by the face mask right? and getting them basically into chip shot field goal range um, pretty much through willpower. And Jimmy Garoppolo makes the throw. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy G uh, just continues to uh, win games. His, his, his winning record as a uh, win loss record as a quarterback is just, it, it's insane. And that, that team just seems suited to, Boy, that really does uh, look like that Atlanta offense, doesn't it? Boy, Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> he he knows what he's doing. And you start with the, with the running attack that they have, with Brito, with Coleman. They've got the big tight end. Atlanta did not have that when they went on their Super Bowl run, but they had definitely better quality wideouts than the Niners have. But Manuel Sanders would it was funny because when the big trades happened I believe I know I was on record and you may have echoed with me that the Emmanuel Sanders trade was the more impactful trade that that was your that was like your hot take uh when that when was my take I don't remember if you agree Emmanuel Sanders to San Fran yeah. and Muhammad Sanu from Atlanta up to uh, New England uh yeah. it, I don't know I don't know if I had a take necessarily but I was just marveling because the uh, Espen coverage was oh my god uh, the Patriots need wide receiver help so bad and Muhammad mm-hmm. Sanu going up to New England is definitely uh, the, the bigger story the bigger deal uh, all the talk shows were having that as a toss up and, and they were all going with New England no doubt and you were definitely 
100% on Emmanuel Sanders was the much more impactful deal. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that now. Yeah, I loved the way that you framed that up, the way that that was covered. It was basically, let's talk for a half an hour about this trade the Patriots made. And then at the end of that, go, oh, yeah, the uh, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> By the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's the good one. Because that Niners team, which was sort of bereft of talent at the wideout position, they needed that, they needed that spark. And they got it. And Sanders, did he throw a touchdown in the game too? Yes, he did. That so was, that that was one of those, oh, yeah, yeah, watch this. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you got to have our kill? receiver throw oh, yeah? a touchdown. How watch about this. That? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that had that... been a tie at the end of overtime, they literally would have had uh, they literally would have had Kyle Shanahan and Sean Payton run out there and have a cockfight at, at the midfield stripe. <laughs> So on that that particular play, New Orleans had just taken the lead, uh, twenty-seven to fourteen, uh, with seven minutes to go in the se- in the second quarter. And so yeah. San Fran says, <laughs> "Oh yeah, oh watch yeah, this watch and this. double." They run a double reverse to Sanders, who throws to a wide Raheem Mostert down the sideline for a thirty-five yard touchdown, and it, it was it was bananas. And that was still the, so that made it twenty-seven twenty-one with six minutes to go in the second quarter. It, it, yeah. it was the first half was just that was I believe a better the, I believe game the, the Niners I believe the Niners went into the half up twenty eight twenty seven if I'm not mistaken they did <laughs> that is that's, that's like a final that, that's literally that's a <laughs> final for most teams and that was the halftime score this is this was old yeah. this was like Nuggets like this was like Nuggets basketball back in the eighties. <laughs> So it's Michael yeah, Adams just shooting threes. First half was a better football game than a lot of whole football games. Didn't you? Th- didn't bet you didn't think we'd get Nuggets basketball references on the show tonight? But Michael Adams, shout out wherever you are. A Michael Adams reference in a football podcast again. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, the biggest takeaway from that Saints Niners game for me was both quarterbacks showing me more than I guess I thought that they were capable capable of. Garoppolo, I've uh, almost criminally underestimated his entire career. I figured he was just a, a pretty boy who got some uh, great starts behind Tom Brady and uh, therefore was anointed the, the, the next coming. Um, and he's, he's, he's got some skills. He's got, when you have, when you match him up with the coach, like Kyle Shanahan, uh, he's got the potential to to do some great great things. It's re- really reminiscent of Jared Goff in L.A. If Jared Goff got drafted by, uh, you know, the, the well, he Jets got drafted by Jeff Fisher. We saw that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we remember the, those Jeff yeah, Fisher Rams setting offense back fifty years. There it is. Example. I don't have to go to another team. He got drafted by but Jeff they'd Fisher. Beat the, and... They beat the Seahawks twice a year. <laughs> it beat the That's Legion of Boom Jeff twice Fisher a year. Yeah, the only thing Jeff Fisher could do is beat the Seahawks. But yeah, that's what Garoppolo and, and Shanahan remind me of is what Golf and uh, Sean McVay are capable of. Uh, obviously, not on a consistent basis this year, but they're capable of just fireworks, just amazing uh, offensive outputs and, and, and firepower. 
And as far as Drew Brees goes, I really thought he was past the days of being able to keep up in a shootout like this, to, to even still have the, the arm to put together a, a back and forth with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, yeah. I, I haven't seen Brees play that well since last year sometime. Uh, that was his well, best game the, I've seen since the first half of last year. As I say, we saw in the last probably five, six weeks of last year and on into the playoffs sort of the deterioration of Drew Brees. And even at the start of this year, and maybe the time off helped him. Maybe he just needed to – maybe the time off and those those four games that he missed uh, got a little gas back in the tank. But that was a treat. That was a that was a football treat that's probably going to propel automatically. Uh, that's, that's game of the year candidate worthy uh, right there for when we do the award show at the end of the year. It's going to be really hard not to give it to that game just for all of the innovation – yeah, obviously there wasn't much defense played, but the offensive innovation that was on display with those two offensive-minded head coaches and uh, the chess match that they played back and forth with each other, that was a lot of fun. That was a good Same game. I, I it was one of the ones I got over you because I did have the Niners. Um, yep, I believe that, that you did. Yeah, I did have the Niners. Uh, I was glad that that last fourth down happened and the face mask and – because at that point, uh, well, at that point they were up by one, so I think I still right. had the pick at that point. But right, I was hope I was hoping for a turnover, obviously. Yeah, of course you were. Running back in the end zone for me, but yeah. was yeah. not to be. But at some point, you do like to have your underdog picks also win the game. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't impact what we're doing. I think it just solidifies that you didn't just come in on a. I didn't just hook you. You know, well, you, you kind of just hooked me because I had to cover uh, after New Orleans gets the game, uh, yeah. the, the touchdown to go ahead, and they have a two point attempt that put up three, so that would have gotten it for me. But everyone was covered, so they they can get the two point conversion for me. So that, that's kind of hook, getting hooked. But yeah, they did come back and win the game straight up. So uh, that, that, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to claim it's a fluke or anything like that. Um, San Francisco came, of course, into the game with the number one pass defense in the league, and they still have the number one pass defense in the league. However, and one of my favorite stats, probably my favoritest of stats uh, for anyone familiar with the show, of yards per attempt that I think really uh, shows you what a, a team or a player is, is doing when you factor you know, miss throws and everything, but then if they hit the big bomb, that that shoots their yards per attempt up. So it, it factors all of that into me. Uh, the Niners in one game, team defense, pass defense uh, dropped from giving up only 5.5 yards per attempt all year to after the New Orleans game. Now they're giving up 5.9 yards per attempt. They went up four tenths of a yard after one game, which is a lot of of yards. Yeah. Uh, so they, they get 349 dropped on them by Drew Brees. And like I said, I didn't know Brees was capable of that uh, again. Uh, but it, it's good to see uh, with the uh, uh, the Saints headed back to the to the playoffs, which I believe I did not pick them to to make it back to the playoffs this year. Um, it's good to see that, that Brees is capable of that. And it's against uh, not only a good pass defense, but the best in the league. Uh, the, the fact that he can put that together, uh, that's a very good sign for the Saints. Uh, and, of course, for Garoppolo, it's a, it's a great sign for him to, to engage in a shootout like that and, and put up the yardage and the numbers that he did. 
and let's just be real, 5.9 is elite, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> well, by my standards, by my definition, it's still yeah. elite. 5.9 yards per attempt for if we hadn't if we didn't know that this game had happened and they had moved that much, if you right. just looked at them on paper and went 5.9, oh yeah, they're good. Um, well, let's stay let's stay close to home here for you. So that was the game you watched. Let's talk about the other team that's close to you, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Because man, who's hotter than them right now? Nobody, nobody's hotter than the Tennessee Titans. I'm forced to believe that the Titans are going to win that that crazy ass division uh, that that AFC yeah. South because they, the Houston Texans yeah. are too inconsistent. They're passing the and, Titans are passing the eye test right now, I will say that. Right. Yeah, that's the the, the obviously the the other part of that is is Tennessee since the quarterback change is very much consistent, but the the part of that that is really uh makes your head spin is how inconsistent and crazy the Houston Texans are. The the Pro Football Focus podcast actually pointed it out. Uh, this week, previewing uh, the Week 15 game uh, between Houston and Tennessee, uh, that when you think about Houston and how you looked at Deshaun Watson, you looked at that offense, and you thought about consistency and uh, running the the set up the pass and uh, really cohesive offense, and you looked at the Titans under Mariota, and you thought, oh, scatterbrained, and you don't know what you're getting from one play to the next, and this that. The Titans have turned into the Texans, and the Texans have turned into the Titans because you don't know what you're getting from the Houston Texans from from one play to the next now. And I, I don't know how that happened. I, we know how it happened with the Titans, obviously, as the quarterback change. But why the Texans have turned so crazy and, and scattershot is anybody's guess. But uh, they're, they're clearly going to sort that out when they play each other uh, tomorrow and, again, uh, at the end of the year in Week 17 down in Houston. Uh and the other part of the Titans uh, win over the, the Raiders this past Sunday was how Derrick Henry uh, slowly ran through Murga like he was an old man uh, on a bad hamstring, and, and they still couldn't stop him. It, I don't know if I've ever seen uh, anything quite like that, where uh, he clearly, clearly was hobbled and could not go 100% and could not turn up. Uh, he had one of those patented outside running lanes that you're very familiar with when you see it, when you see him get outside and get past that second level, you go, Oh shit. Cause he's got that kind of speed that he just, he can run away from people, which still is, is shocking as hell because he's 250 pounds, but he, he still has that speed. He didn't have that speed uh, on Sunday against Oakland and he still ran down the field and was throwing people aside and, and going through the Oakland Raiders uh, it, it was so bizarre. Like he clearly needed to sit down and, and take a rest, but he didn't want to. He was, uh, I guess, to his credit or maybe to his detriment, I don't know. But uh, he was kind of arguing and fighting with the coaching staff that he wanted to stay in the game. They were trying to put a, a wrap around his 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 hamstring and saying, "Look, you, can you please take a rest? Can you please sit down? We're going to need you for more than this game against this pathetic Merca team." Um, but he wanted to keep playing. But, yeah, I, I hadn't seen anything quite like that where a, a guy is, is playing it. It's not like he's 80% or 75%. He was, like, going almost half speed, man. He was not playing anywhere near the, the capability he could play. And because the Oakland Raiders are the Oakland Raiders, he still ran right through them. I've been impressed with the Titans just from the standpoint that losing Mariota and going to Tannehill and turning that into a more stand-up, traditional offense 
you know, where you'd think it would be the other way around, right? You think of the, the Flacco to Jackson switch, right? Well, they've gone from Mariota, the more flashy run around, although he couldn't throw the football anymore, but, you know, run around, make plays with the legs to Ryan Tannehill, who's more of the drop back play action. He is the highest rated drop, uh, the highest rated play action quarterback in the league right now is uh, Ryan Tannehill, which is insane when you think about it, just because of that Tennessee offense that we generally don't think of as prolific. But you've got the stud in the backfield, and it turns out the Tennessee Titans actually have NFL-caliber wide receivers. Never would have known that when Marcus Mariota was throwing the football. Who knew? Who knew? It's just like they just won the draft from the last few years because all these stud wide receivers, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Ty J. Sharp, these guys are pretty good. Who knew? All those high draft picks. It's like, oh, there (laughs) they are. We got all these great. What happened? We got all these great wide receivers. <laughs> you, you make those draft picks, and you hope to actually see them on the field, and then they go into witness protection, and you're sitting there scratching your head. And you know, oh, I love it. Are. Hey, so, what happened? <laughs> all of a sudden, you get a, still one of my favorite drops. You know how many people have <laughs> never seen that movie. I, I, I'm a little unfamiliar from where it's from. I forget where it's from. Oh, God. I want to <laughs> say that is from A Mighty Wind, okay. uh, which was a Christopher Guest movie. Ah. If you're yeah, familiar I, I, with the Christopher Guest movies. But, yeah, that's uh, – I've missed Oh, that God. One. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He's the comedian who says that. and I can't think of the guy's name right now. You would know him as soon as I said his name or if you saw his face, but – uh, uh, yeah, that's a bit in that movie, and uh, it's it's a pretty funny bit in the movie. So, yeah, not that's that's an obscure one, but I love that drop. It's just it's every, so relevant to things that have every, been going. On. Everyone uses it. It's it's very yeah. famous. I just don't. I have funny. no where it's from, but yeah. But everyone hey, what it. happened? Uh, <laughs> That's what you do. You, you, just, you put an actual NFL quarterback, and I've yep. never. I don't. I definitely would never want to overestimate or oversell any Ryan Tannehill love, but I gotta say, I was kind of a fan in Miami. I was kind of hoping to that you know that he would straighten up and come through. They gave him seven trillion chances in Miami. That's what so I mean. Like, yeah. he got his chance. He got his fair we, shot. I think we gave up on the Dolphins because we kept waiting for that Dolphins squad and Ryan Tannehill to be the team that was going to challenge the Patriots. Cause for all those years of Patriots dominance, the Dolphins were the, the seemed to be the most equipped team. And we just kept waiting because they kept showing flashes and Tannehill and he kept getting hurt. And then we kept giving him another chance. And it was like, and then we finally were just like, you know what? The Patriots are just going to dominate. The Dolphins are always going to be the little brother, and they're going to get or the Sunning. You know, we've talked about it on this show uh, mm-hmm. so many times over the years. Every time you think that team's going to jump up and they're going to punch the bully in the face, that the, the Patriots knock them back down. We just got we gave up on the Miami Dolphins, and I think by extension we gave up on Ryan Tannehill. Um, we did give him a little bit of love in the preseason preview. But that wasn't so much Tannehill love as that was Marcus Mariota is going to completely shit the bed. Don't be shocked if Ryan Tannehill takes over this thing late in the season. But no, we didn't see this. 
Yeah, that was more. We know this is Mariota's walk year, and they're going to yeah. give up and and just give somebody else yeah. a chance. Because we all know that Baltimore is the class of the AFC. There are two teams in the AFC. However, Wild Card Weekend, nobody is going to want to play, and that would be the Bills and the Titans. Nobody wants to play either one of those teams. And uh, speaking of, uh, so we covered the Titans a little bit. They actually tied with Oakland 21-21 at the half before they go out and just lay the lumber on them and shut them out in the yeah. second half. So that was kind of funny. Um, the Bills, uh, going back to the Ravens again, we, we talked about a, a little bit for what they did to the Jets on Thursday night, which was, was obscene. Uh, but before that, on Sunday, they go up to Buffalo and, and put the brakes on the project love and, and – uh, get some work done against the, the Buffalo Bills as, as six-point favorites, which was a, a big number for any 9-3 and three team at home to be six-point underdogs. That just shows how unbelievable the Ravens have been playing, and the Ravens win, and they cover, and we both have it. Uh, so, so part of our geniusness, um, they win by seven. It's not, it's not like they blew them out, so, you know, but they did win and they did cover. Um, but, yeah, the, the Ravens, that's the part of the Ravens that has not been being uh there's not been talked about as much you know uh, because of what Lamar Jackson the offense is doing but the Ravens defense is, is coming to play and and coming to do some damage if you uh don't have your ducks in a row the, the Ravens D can get after you it may not be the the Ed Reed Ray Lewis defense but uh they got some professionals they got some speed they got some youngsters uh that'll get around the the edge and, and get after you Matthew Judon is is one of my favorites uh it's developing rapidly into uh, someone that that should be feared on on every level, coverage and rushing a passer, um, and, and the the reason really I, I was going against Baltimore on Thursday night was because even in that game, even in that win over Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo defense beat up Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore offense a little bit, and uh, that's why I of course think about you every time I see Lamar Jackson uh, get banged around and beat up because you're definitely. On the uh, on the record, is, is being afraid of of what's going to happen to Lavar Jackson eventually uh, if he keeps getting hit like he gets hit and and Buffalo hit him and, and got got a couple yeah. licks in on him but it wasn't enough to to win the game. Yeah, but again, no shame for Buffalo. Buffalo hung tough with them and nobody bowled yeah. out the Buffalo Bills. And I think even when when I made the pick, I was like, I could see this being a seven point game. I just I just think that the Ravens are that much a little bit better than the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills had the ball twice late in that game with chances to tie. So it wasn't a blowout. And that is because I think that Bills defense and even by some of the extension, the Bills offense, because they just shortened these games down so much. The Bills are so far almost like blowout proof. Nobody, absolutely nobody, can, can run that team out of a building because they're set up. Um, you can run on them, which is the other reason why I had the Ravens in that game, but they're so hard to throw on. And, you know, you, if the bills are daring teams to almost run the football on them, because they know that you just, you're going to make, they're going to make every team work for every point that they get. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for what Buffalo is doing and believe it or not, Buffalo wins the last three games. They win the division, uh, which is still, just stunning to me that the Bills could beat if they beat Pittsburgh, if they beat New England, and then they win their last game either against the Jets or the Dolphins. Um, 
they win the division. That that is very stunning. It's also it was uh, also stunning to me looking at the matchup for this week that if the Bills uh, lose on Sunday night at Pittsburgh, they won't be the five seed anymore. I talked about how yeah. no one would want to play the Bills as the five seed. Uh, in the AFC, I didn't think anyone had a chance of catching them for that five seed. I con- I declared that over a couple of weeks ago, I believe. Um, and here come those Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, and they have a chance. They, they actually have the all the the playoff momentum and all the uh, the the tiebreakers and their destiny is all uh, on the Pittsburgh Steelers' hands. And I I don't understand how the hell that happened. Yeah, I, know, I say that nobody wants to play the Bills or the Titans when the playoffs start. Nobody, everybody, everybody is going to want to play the Steelers. Everybody. Teams are lighting oh, yeah, up. Oh, yeah, Doug Boy, yeah. come on. Yeah, nobody wants to play the Bills. Nobody wants to play the Titans. But if you're that three or four seed, you are praying that your matchup is the, the Steelers in that first game. You're telling me the Chiefs right now would rather have Pittsburgh or they would rather have Tennessee. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I do still look at it like one of these things doesn't quite belong here, and I think that's the Steelers, and I give all credit to Mike Tomlin and that revamped defense and going out and making that Minka Fitzpatrick trade and and turning that into, like, we're just going to win this thing on defense and defense, defense, but that team isn't going to have the offense to to, to go into Arrowhead or to, you know, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's seriously not going to happen. So I, I I do not want to see the Steelers make the playoffs. Not a very impressive win for them at Arizona, twenty three to seventeen. That that didn't curl your socks. Yeah, I had Arizona. They hung around in that game. That was one of the ones I lost. Arizona, yep. yeah. I mean, Arizona, and again, we pick them all. This Jeff, this that game definitely falls into pick them all territory. Uh, I thought the Cardinals could get them, and that game was close late, and Steelers got the win, and there, there you go. There's no more that, you, that we need to talk about <laughs> as far as that game goes. I do want to point out, before we start to get into the picks, um, you pulled the classic Dre move last week. I gave you a little bit of shit about it on text. Uh, you crapped all over Drew Locke on the show, and <sighs> that, that kid just balled out. <laughs> and, blowing out the Houston Texans, uh, which I actually had that as a win. So I had Denver as an eight-point, the big underdog, seven, eight-point underdog going into Houston. Nine and a that half. Game. Nine and a half at that point. Okay. But I had Denver winning that game because that was a classic letdown spot for the Texans. And I told you that I liked enough of what I saw to Drew Locke. And you're like, are you kidding me? He's terrible. Oh, yeah. And I was just, I felt the more you just crapped all over that poor kid, the better I felt. You posted a stat. I believe it was on Twitter. Uh, that he was the highest-rated quarterback by QBR last week. So, True lock, ladies once and Once again, yeah. hands together, bowing my head. Thank you for <laughs> crapping all over a quarterback um, in a pick that I made. I should have had that as my lock of the week because his name is Lock. I mean, how? come on. Of course. <laughs> what was I thinking? It was obvious, right? I know. Um I was so on board with the Titans. The the Broncos led that game. Uh, That that should have been your life. They led that game 31-3 at the half. 
I, I'm sorry. That's about the Texans and, and their uh, you 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 called it the letdown, and sure enough, that's what that that's what happened. That, that's I don't think that's about Drew Locke being some sort of future All Pro or anything like that. I think that's the Texans just completely shitting the bed, and, and I did not see that coming at all. Uh, clearly, um, I, I have no ex- uh, explanation for that. It, uh, I, I kind of covered it a little bit when I was talking about the Titans that. The, the Texans are now the title. The Texans are the team where you just throw your hands up every week and you, you have no idea what's coming. You, you don't know from one week to, to the next what's going to – there's no excuse to be down 31-3 to three to the Denver Broncos. They're the Denver Broncos. No excuse. Yeah, yeah. but I, that, that to me, that felt right. Like Houston just came off beating the Patriots. I don't trust this team. Something bad's going to happen, and they go and they give up 38 to Denver and Drew Locke making his second NFL start. Just no idea how that stunning. how that happened. It was, I mean, yeah, I don't want to say stunning because I, I had it. but <laughs> You had it. I had it, but that's me. I, I get that. I have that random stuff. I, I, <laughs> I, I sometimes pull that out of there. And, uh, yeah, uh, I believe we should both pat ourselves on the back also a little bit quickly here uh, about – uh, the Rams spot, uh, the Rams yeah. start to look like they're trying to play real NFL football and Sean McVay kind of getting out of his own way and running that offense through Todd Gurley again. Wow. It, it's amazing what happens when you have a top tier NFL running back and a quarterback who's really good at throwing play action that you actually try to run your offense through said running back instead of just trying to be the smartest guy in the room. And it's been working for the Rams. And I, if you think that the, Patriots are paper champions. I would submit the <laughs> counterpart would be the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, ten and three, and then sort of, I, well, definitely not to the level of the Patriots because I see why the Seahawks were ten and three is because Russell Wilson was making every correct yeah. decision all season long. That, 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 Russell Wilson MVP talk is starting to die down a little bit. I think that's Lamar Jackson's uh, thing to lose. Yeah. You're not the talk because I really don't give a shit, but that's more of a, well, Russell Wilson has been kind of like ghost boy here the last few weeks. Not like Sam Darnold ghost boy, but yeah, <laughs> he just appeared in that Sunday night game. Right, that's the the difference between them and the Patriots. Is you can actually see why the Seahawks were actually having all that success this year. Now, if you want to say there's no way that that was sustainable, that Russell Wilson was just yeah. – he wasn't going to make every correct decision every single game for, for the whole season, then yeah, of course not. My lasting image of that game is going to be laying in a hotel room in Minneapolis. I had gone over there. I wanted to do some Christmas shopping. I wanted to get away for a few days. I went over there. It was like – and I'm in the hotel room, nastiest hotel room. I was like, I was like, I resolved that next time if I do a trip like that, I'm spending a few more bucks on the room, but just nasty hotel room, right? I'm killing bugs in the shower bad. And I'm laying in the bed. Uh, I didn't even have the, like, I didn't have the heart to look for bed bugs because I was afraid of what I might find. So I just laid there and (laughs) laying in the bed watching the football game. And for the, for probably a good hour of that game, trying to figure out how to get this hotel TV off Spanish audio. So I'm watching this game in Spanish and (laughs) desperately fumbling with the remote because it had the most obscure menu. And I'm a TV guy. It's like, I should figure this out. And trying to figure out how to get that thing to kick back over to 
uh, English, and then I kick it back over to English, and it's Michael's and Collinsworth, and I almost wanted to put it back on Spanish. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for, huh? Yeah, but I fell asleep to that game. I was pretty exhausted, um, but I fell asleep to that game, and it was pretty much in hand when I fell asleep. But yeah, the Rams, give them credit, um, playing well. They are. Uh, Olin Krutz, the former Chicago Bears center, I saw him tweet uh, um, referring to uh, the quarterback for that Rams team. You're talking about Todd Gurley, the running back, and how uh, energized he seems to be and and revamped, and that's all true. But Olin Krutz tweeted out, what the hell has gotten into Jared Goff? Uh, He just decided to start playing great football lately, and I, I, I don't have an answer for that, but uh, again, like I was saying earlier, when you pair up uh, a young quarterback with a really good offensive mind, great things can happen. There there might be some dead periods here and there, which is definitely what we're seeing, uh, what we saw with Jared Goff the first half of the season. But uh, he, he's woken up the last few weeks. I, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, they they look like a totally different team right now. And uh, they, they getting their weapons back, I guess, is a, is a big deal. I yeah. think that helped a lot. Robert Woods coming back, Brandon Cooks back from his concussion. Um, but yeah, they, they, they looked awesome on Sunday night and, and the Seahawks. Yeah. They, they got a little paper champion look to them for sure. So, yeah, I, any, and if there's anything else that jumped out at you, but we, we got 15 games here left to pick. I know there's actually a whole lot that we didn't get to and my throat started to, to go again. So, um, well, I think you might have. We only have an hour left, so better suck it up. Did you quit the show. No, I was uh, muting, trying to <laughs> cough and get over. Uh... I was like, "Oh no, he's dead." <laughs> I killed him. My last words to my best friend were suck it up. <laughs> I'm trying. Right there on the headstone. He didn't suck it up. <laughs> Narrator, he didn't suck it up. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot that, that we uh, didn't even get to. We, we uh, I don't know what opinion you could possibly have about the Patriots once again getting caught taping uh, an opponent's sideline. And using the same excuse as it was not us, it was some outside company decided to, and we had nothing to do with it. It's a company you work for. Let's just admit it. It's the mob. <laughs> and you can trust them. It's the Patriots. You can trust that their excuse, of course, is the, the God to honest truth. You can totally trust them. Yeah. They, uh, they had a, they had a busy Sunday. They were uh, busy taping the, the Bengals sideline as they're getting ready to, uh, go to Cincinnati um, while they're having these referee issues and all these uh, problems trying to, to beat the, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but yeah, that how crazy is it that the, the, the Patriots can't seem to stop getting into trouble uh, with the league? And, and how ironic is it that it's uh, taping the Bengals sideline? You got the. So you think having a 37 year old on to Cincinnati? Nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now, we're preparing for Cincinnati. Okay, is, is, do you feel like the talent you have here is good? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. Oh, 
why the Bengals? Why, if you're going to cheat, if you're going to get caught cheating and taping somebody's sideline, do you really need to tape the Cincinnati Bengals sideline? Is it that desperate now in New England? Have no. we come to this? So I have a theory you'll probably agree with. They okay. got caught taping the Bengals sideline. Ah. They're, they're doing this to everybody. <laughs> ah. Because the New England Patriots are not fearful of the Bengals, that they need to cheat to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think this is more indicative of the fact that they are cheating in general, and this just happens to be the situation where they got caught, and that's going to be, I believe, my my theory. It's probably going to all get covered up, but I would be much more prone to believe that this is a systemic thing. We'll call it the Patriot way, Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I'm just saying, and that this has been going on. This is this is the Astros with the sign stealing and all that stuff. Like they were, you know, um, which has been very quickly hushed away and brushed under the rug. And yeah, and it, obviously because this is the Patriots, it's going to get amplified because of the history of cheating, because of Spygate, because of Deflategate. Yeah, and, and here it is again. So now we got Spygate 2.0, and you cannot tell me logically that they were just so afraid of the Bengals that they just pulled, let's, let's pull out all the deflate gates, the, 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 the spy gate equipment. Let's pull that all back out for the Bengals. Oh my God, it's Andy Dalton. We can't handle these guys. No, they, they were probably doing this to everybody. And this is just the moment that they got caught doing it. They got, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, I was obviously uh, making fun when I said that they were panicking ah. and they had to go take yes, the Bengals. And yeah, obviously it's not something that uh, that you have to tape the Bengals and get ready to beat the the one in twelve whatever their record is Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yeah, they 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 are doing it to everybody. Why they got sloppy and just was right up in front of every you know. It almost feels like to me. I'll go even further on the conspiracy. It feels like they did that on purpose. Like why would you be that upfront and and out there about it where everyone can see your guys are taping the Cincinnati Bengals sideline. It's like they're trying to throw people off. Like, oh, look it, they they haven't been doing this in so long, and now they're back to taping. Yeah, they've probably been doing it the whole time. They did this to to let you know, hey, it's the Bengals. We don't care if we're caught taping you because it's the Bengals. Uh, but everyone else, they're not going to be caught taping the, the Chiefs or or the, the any other team that they're actually fearful of. Uh, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that point. All right, yeah, we we got uh, 50 minutes left and 15 more games to pick, so we're going to be trying to go through rapid fire and get them all in in the live portion. Uh, real quick before we get started, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's the live show page. That's the only page you can listen to the show live. Uh, to listen as an after show, uh, you would need to subscribe to the podcast. And you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, tune in, Mixcloud, any number of different podcasting apps, and you can get the show downloaded to you for the low, low price of free after it's all said and done, or you can come back to the live show page and go through our archives. Uh, different ways to communicate with the show, send an email to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com or tweet me at imldjre or tweet Jason at imldjtg. Follow our picks on our blog. The blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. Those picks will be up after the show is over and definitely before the morning. So the picks will be ready for you to peruse 
by the time you go to your local establishment and, and make your selections tomorrow morning. And with that, it is on to week 15 in the NFL. We're on to Cincinnati. We're, uh, nope, the first place we're going is not the Cincinnati. First place we're going is Jay's Neck of the Woods up there in Wisconsin. What does the, uh, the Jay Doppler say for the, uh, the weather forecast for Bears Packers tomorrow? Ah, uh, cold. Uh, no snow. I mean, we've been dealing with enough goddamn snow. I'm done with snow. We haven't even reached Christmas yet, and I'm done with snow. We've had three snowstorms already in the last two, three weeks, and uh, significant ones. Not significant like what we had last February, where we were getting, you know, a 12, 18 inches at a time, but it's enough. It, it's piling up pretty quick. It's pretty, but uh, not not fun driving to work and back and forth. And, uh, um, yeah. So, no snow tomorrow, but we're probably looking 20. It, it's chilly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a good cold weather Lambo game, which you'll always uh, you always kind of get those this time of year. Let's see tomorrow thirteen, yeah, mostly oh. sunny and oh. frigid Ooh. is the official forecast. That's for here where I live, but I'm only about an hour and a half away from Green Bay, so don't ex- don't expect a you know it's not, not going to be sixty five in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> going to be seventy five and sunny in Green Bay, so it's going to be really close to that. Man, okay, yeah. So if you're if you're a fan of uh, the snot bubbles and the and the steam coming out of the players' mouths, I guess tomorrow is the day for you. Um, and we're fans of those from being from Chicago ourselves. Uh, but anyway, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Chicago is seven and six. Green Bay is ten and three. Chicago will not be winning that division. Uh, they can stay in the hunt for a playoff spot if they get this win. Uh, Bears are five-point dogs going into the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers has uh, co-opted the uh, 83 White Sox with the win and ugly here. Uh, We also Mm -hmm. had given that to the Tennessee Titans a few seasons ago when we had the win and ugly Titans. But Aaron Rodgers said he's perfectly happy winning games ugly, and and they have been. I watched (laughs) that game. Trust me. Wished I had been watching Saints 49ers. No, I got to watch Packers Redskins being home last Sunday for my uh, second day of vacation that I was on. Yeah, it wasn't very exciting. It was a bad football game. Uh, I expected better of the Packers, and they just they they coasted. They showed up. They knew they didn't have to do much, and they did the bare minimum to win the football game, and they won. You can't take it away. Win's a win. Uh, Nothing impressive. Uh, Bears have been playing better. Um, they're getting Akeem Hicks back, which is a you know big deal because they're going to have to try to stop Aaron Jones. But there are you know Roquan Smith is gone, Danny Trevathan is gone, so it's going to kind of you know kind of all come out in the wash. I think the key in this game is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers just owns the Chicago Bears, and nothing 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 shows up better in these Bear Packer games with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback than that vaunted Bears cover zero defense. So we're going to be oh, doing. No. For one of those, yeah. Uh, no Randall Cobb to do it this time, but boy, the Bears are really good at just letting Packer wide receivers. Maybe it's Adlin Lazard this time, just running completely uh. free through the secondary with nobody on him. The popular pick here seems to be the Bears. I think a lot of people are on the Bears because the Packers have looked unimpressive. I'm going with the history. I'm going with the muscle memory. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. He's the better quarterback on the field. I in this spot, Trubisky on the road in Lambeau. It's going to be really cold. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to give the four. I'm not overly confident in it, 
but I still think that the Packers are the class of that division, even as unimpressive as some of their victories have been. Uh, the opener of the season was on Thursday night, if we can remember all the way back for the league opener at Soldier Field, where the Packers uh, won a scintillating game over the Bears by a score of 10-3. to uh, With Rodgers to uh, Jimmy Graham, touchdown pass being the only uh, touchdown being scored in the entire game. Um, yeah, the Packers have been not so impressive. The Bears have been more impressive lately. Um, but of course, I have to say anything Bears-related from me, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt, me being uh, still a Bears fan. Even, even though I'm a Bears fan, I still say Mitch Trubisky right now is playing better football than Aaron Rodgers. I understand the muscle memory. I understand the history. I understand that Rodgers going to the Hall of Fame and Trubisky is most certainly not. But he's playing better football right now uh, overall the last few weeks than Aaron Rodgers. I've been waiting for Aaron Rodgers to get back to that that hot streak he was on uh, a couple months ago, and he's not playing like that. He has not played that well uh, in a while, and when you're on that heater, you're on that heater, and when you're off, you're off, and right now, he's off. And I'm combining that with Chicago being desperate, trying to stay in the playoff race, and maybe still stinging from coughing up the last time they were in Lambeau Field, which would be the season opener last year, the Willis-Reed game, where Aaron Rodgers is carted off and screaming and crying and in tremendous pain, comes back on the field and winds up leading a comeback and winning the game. With a blown um, out knee. With a blown out knee. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that they still remember that and want to take some some revenge out. And uh, I'll take the Bears. I'll take them uh, plus five. I'll take them to win straight up. But uh, I don't feel great about it. But uh, I, I got to think the Bears are, are the the more desperate team right now. Green Bay has definitely been coasting. That's for sure. The Seattle Seahawks go to Carolina and play the Panthers, uh, both coming off of not-so-impressive outings. Uh, but the 10-3 and Seahawks are minus six points on the road at the 5-8 and Panthers. And the Seahawks are one of those teams that normally I'm very fearful about going east. I'm still going to go ahead. I'm going to give the six. Even though we just called them paper champions, I think that the uh, Panthers, after they fired Ron Rivera, I think the wheels are just coming off. I think that they are full of quit right now. And I, I just don't see them putting up much of a fight here against the Seahawks, even even at home with the Seahawks coming off of a rough loss going cross country. Uh, the Seahawks tend to be a good bounce back team. Pete Carroll usually gets that team going um, after a bad loss, especially a tough loss like they had against the Rams. They're definitely the class in this game. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give the six. I think the Panthers are done. Yeah, Russell Wilson was playing at such a high level. Uh, I don't think this decline uh, over the last few weeks is that bad. Uh, the PFF podcast uh, agreed. They brought out all the numbers that I won't repeat. <clears throat> that I won't repeat. But he's uh, not playing as you know his drop off hasn't been as bad as, as some people might say. He's definitely not going to be the MVP. He's definitely not in that conversation. But uh, he, he's not. He's not terrible. And uh, I'm gonna have to uh, concur and go with the Seahawks. That that was their first road loss last week, so now they're at 6-1, and one, and this is their last road game of the year. So I, I think they'll uh, bounce back. You have to have a nice opponent uh, to give up the run in order for Seattle to bounce back because that's what they do. Everything is based off of uh, running the ball and setting up their play action, and the Panthers are giving up 5.3 yards per carry this year. Uh, so that's called a really nice opponent. That's called uh, a really nice spot to bounce back. 
for the Seahawks. So I will concur. In Soft landing, I believe, is what we call that. Definitely. Uh, the Eagles and the Redskins are both soft, but uh, they're playing each other, so something's got to give. Uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles at 6-7, and seven, uh, still fighting for the division. They're still competing with the Cowboys. Uh, they give 5.5 on the road at the 3-10 Washington Redskins. We pick them all, folks, because I have no absolute I, – I have no fucking clue about this game. I went ahead and I took the Redskins and the number ju- – just th- – th- I have no faith. I have absolutely no faith in the Eagles. They they probably should have lost to the Giants. That was a, a, a nice little comeback, but I think that the better team absolutely had them. They lost to the Dolphins. They're bad. They are just really, really bad. So I'm just going to go ahead and just purely take the points here. Maybe the Eagles kick a late field goal. But who knows? It's week 15. I can't figure either one of these teams out. So that, that tells you what we know about the NFL. I know we're coming off 10-4 and four in two weeks, but, man, anybody who thinks that they've got a solid take on this game, good for them. Uh, I don't know if my take will be very solid, but I, I feel a little stronger about it than you do. Uh, first game of the year at Philadelphia, uh, they win a, a wild one, 32 to 27 over uh, the Washington Redskins. And you remember this guy named Deshaun Jackson, who used to be a pretty good football player, uh, a buck 54 and two TDs in that game. Um, and I was feeling very proud about uh, drafting him in my fantasy league and, and talking him up on the, uh, uh, the season preview show. Deshaun Jackson is called one ball in this entire season since that game uh, in week one. And now he's on IR. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey just went on IR. Nelson Aguilar is not going to play. Jordan Howard is not going to play. The Eagles are beat up. They're playing like trash. Carson Wentz is playing like trash. Uh, I've been so in on the Eagles. Uh, You talked about how you couldn't quit all year on the Jaguars. You finally quit on them last week. And this week I finally quit on the Eagles. So I'm going to concur with you and take the Redskins for no good reason except the Eagles are just trash and don't deserve to be picked by anyone. And I was shocked to see that they were five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, If the Redskins weren't such hot garbage themselves, I probably would have locked them in, but I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, you shocked me there because you were talking – that was your your lock tone. (laughs) You've got this different way that you talk about a game when you're about to lock it up, and you totally went there and then you didn't do it again. Man, I was just like ready. Wait, he's locking this up. He's locking this shit up. He's gonna do it now. Well, you know all what right? that means. If you if you've been listening to the show all year, that means this is probably like my second favorite lock, and that's been like almost undefeated all year. My second yeah, lock of the week. If you lose your lock, this is the one you should have locked up. Yep, we'll be talking about it next week. Get ready. Uh, we're on to Cincinnati. We're we're here, Bill. I know you've been been waiting for it. The New England Patriots at ten and three. And the Cincinnati Bengals at one and twelve, and and Belichick has been thinking about one thing ever since the the end of the Kansas City game. It's, it's on to Cincinnati, and now we're finally here. Uh, Patriots are ten point favorites on the road at the Bengals. This is this is just the spot, right? The Patriots they get busted for cheating. They're taping the Bengals sidelines. They, oh my God, we're so afraid of the Cincinnati Bengals. We're on to Cincinnati. Cheat. We got to cheat to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, and we're going to tape them. And now, who? Oh, look who they're playing! They're playing the Bengals, and they're ten-point favorites on the road. 
Patriots are going to kill him. Lock it up. <laughs> oh, now that's believing in, in some history right there, even more so than uh, uh, with, yeah. with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, this is the soft yeah. landing. We talked about the soft landing. The Patriots are coming off of some a brutal stretch in their schedule. This is the week that they get to look like the Patriots again because they're playing a cream puff. And they've also got now they've got the chip on their shoulder. It's us against the world. The Patriot way. Oh, it just makes me sick. But they're going to blow these guys out, twenty-seven to three. <laughs> the Patriots can scheme rings around the likes of the Cincinnati Bengals, and they can overcome their uh, their shortcomings. And they can put some some putty on. They can. Uh, they remind me of, of one of my ex girlfriends, Carrie Krieger, the, the heartbreaker. Uh, man, she could putty on some foundation and cover up all her blemishes on her face. She looked like a completely different person. Uh, yet, yes, I said that out loud in public because I don't give a fuck. Because it's true. Stop me when I say something untrue. That's all I say. Uh, good gosh, you look to- totally different. So this is a game that I, I, I'll concur on that uh, uh, on that point, that this is where the Patriots can look like, oh, that that's the Patriots that we know and love. They're back but fuck, man, what have they done to prove to be 10-point favorites over anybody? Anybody. The, the way they've looked this year, that, no. Uh-uh. Uh, I'll take the Bengals. I'll take those points. I'm not blocking that up either. I'm not taking them to the oh, win or anything crazy like that. Oh, come on. When was the last time like we had that? a lock-off? We need a lock-off. <laughs> we haven't had one yet this year. You're right. And I'm not going to take the Cincinnati fucking Bengals <laughs> and make a lock-off. That's for sure. <laughs> You're taking – okay. Gonna but I'm not going to take – I'm not giving – I'm not giving 10 points of the way Tom Brady is playing right now. Crap. Three words for you, sir. It's (laughs) not enough. We'll see. You can't blame me for watching that, Gings. I don't think either one of us is going to get it in our market. but uh, No, we'll have have Packers-Bears here at noon tomorrow, so I won't get red zone tomorrow at work. Ah. Well, we'll we'll just have to keep up on on the scoreboards and the Twitter then, but... Yeah, I, 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 I looked at this as a weird. I should have locked up the Ravens. That's the one I'm kicking myself for, but I'm not locking oh up. Oh my god! But but this is a big number. Bengals are just shit. <laughs> <laughs> that they are. I, I can't deny that. This ain't the Texans. This ain't even the Cowboys. This is Red <laughs> Rifle. Yeah. <laughs> Over. So. Famous last reason. words. After our lock intervention, I shouldn't be so confident. <laughs> the other reason you should have locked up the Ravens, and I didn't tell you about it beforehand, and maybe you would have, uh, I, my pick was probably uh, of taking the Jets and the points was probably clouded a little bit by the fact that I made the uh, fantasy playoffs. And my first uh, first round opponent for this week, his quarterback, Lamar Jackson. So I was kind of hoping, you know, he's beat up a little bit. You know, he's a little hurt. He's going to be, you know, it's three days rest. They're going to have him out there for a half, and they're going to yank him, and they're not going to really put it, you know, oh, God. And I look up, and he's throwing five touchdowns. And I'm like, you got to be motherfucking kid. There is not too much of a worse feeling than starting the uh, football playoffs down 37 to nothing after the guys use one player. That that's about as bad as it gets. That's better for you is he didn't have Mark Ingram. <laughs> yeah. No, he, <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. 
this is bad enough. Thirty-seven and nothing, and he's used one guy. That's bad enough. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to win. I'm done. I, my playoffs are finished already, and we haven't even played tomorrow. So, anyway, uh, on to the Texans and the Titans, the uh, two eight and five teams in the AFC South. One team is definitely going one direction, and one team seems to be going the other. Uh, Houston is the cop-out line three-point dog at Tennessee. I'll stay with the trend. I, I said that Tennessee's been passing the eye test and Houston's the Jekyll and Hyde team in that division right now. You don't know what you're going to get. Maybe they step up on the road, and but no, Titans can play good defense. They can take the ball away. They can run the football. Their play action's good. They've got good wide receivers. Who knew? Yeah, I think Tennessee right now is the best team in that division, and I think they win the game. I'll take the Titans and give the three. Um, I already gave my pick away, sort of, when I said that I don't see any way that the Titans don't win this division. The, the Texans are, are way too inconsistent and too uh, heckle and jive, like you just said. Uh, they expect to get Will Fuller back tomorrow, uh, but it's Will Fuller, so he might hurt something on the second play of the game. Uh, and the Titans will not have their cornerback, Dory Jackson, which uh, worries me a little bit. So I think uh, Houston might come back a little late and, and get some aerial yardage and, and make it close. But in the end, uh, the Titans will get after the, uh, Deshaun Watson uh, on the road, big spot. Uh, they have a very good pass rush. Um, I can see him doing his patented Deshaun Watson thing and holding onto the ball for 10 seconds, trying to make a play and, and wind up going down and, and getting stripped and, and losing the ball in, in, in a really big spot. So yeah, I'll concur and take the Titans and give the three. The Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Denver is 5-8 and eight now with their uh, future Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Locke. And the Chiefs now at 9-4 and four after their big win up in New England. Denver uh, gets 10 points on the road at the Chiefs. Yeah, I waffled on this pick a little bit, but I think the Chiefs giving 10 to anybody right now. Mahomes is a little beat up. The defense is still not that great. I don't have a ton of faith in Denver, but they've got a good enough defense, I think, to keep the Chiefs within 10. And who knows, maybe, maybe Drew Locke here, he, maybe he goes on the road again and puts on a little bit of an aerial show. And, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Broncos in the number just because I think the number's too big. So uh, give me the Broncos in the 10. Not very solid on this one, though. Uh, Thursday night, week seven, uh, Kansas City went into Denver and spanked them around, beat them thirty to six. That was, was a game. Matt uh, not mistaken. Yes, that, that was the game. Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes kneecap decided to start sliding around on them, so they put yeah. Matt Moore in, and he starts throwing touchdown passes. Yeah, that was a Joe Flacco game, if I'm not mistaken. Got sacked eight times in that game. Joe Flacco did, and uh, that that's a good way to to keep a big lead is to just keep sacking the other quarterback. Um, so I. You you didn't waffle on this more than I did because I picked uh, Kansas City by ten. So I, so okay. uh, you you people you people are well aware now. Uh, I have this as a ten point Kansas City win. So whatever I pick is obviously something I'm just picking one side or the other. So no confidence at all in in this one. That's right. So twenty six sixteen. Very very close. Um, Kansas City has a few weeks to get their offense back in sync before the for the playoffs start because they're not playing the way they played last year. Uh, and now Pat Mahomes has a bruised hand. Uh, Denver defense, that's a nice test for them to see uh, what they're made of, if they can get back on track. 
they must pressure Drew Locke like they did Flacco, or he'll just sit back there and start launching. As, as we can, we, we know that much about him. He'll launch if you give him a chance. Oh, hello, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, the the Drew Locke side. I'm gonna uh, agree with you. So that spread's a little too big, and that maybe the the Chiefs, the way they're playing right now, don't deserve that. So I, I'll, I'll concur with that. Uh, on to, uh, we pick them all, folks, the Dolphins and the Giants uh, are two of the Eli Manning redemption tour. Uh, Dolphins, Dolphins at 3-10 and 10 are the cop-out line three-point log at the 2-11 Giants. I'm going to tell you what, the Dolphins are 3-10, and 10, but since about week three, they have been a covers machine this season. Their record against the spread since they got blown out in those first few games is just ridiculous. I'm going to take the Dolphins to win. Eli Manning had his redemption first half, and then we got more of the – oh, that's why we benched him, Eli Manning, in the second half. And the Dolphins have not quit. They they, they hung around. They covered that number last week in a one-point loss to the Jets. They beat the Eagles. I could very easily see the Dolphins handling uh, this Giants team and Eli Manning this week. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Ryan Fitzpatrick, turn over Bernie Sanders. I'm going to go I'm going to roll with him, take the Dolphins and the points, but I think the Dolphins win the game. So this is part of the news of the very uh, active week of football between uh, last Sunday and, and tonight. Uh, something, uh, part that we miss is Janoris Jenkins, the Giants cornerback, or the, now the former Giants cornerback who decided to respond to some criticism of his play on Twitter by calling a random fan that tweeted him a, a, a retard. And that's really not something you do these days. And he got cut and he, I think had 11 something, $11.4 million uh, next year uh, on the last year of his deal. And that's bye-bye uh, because he couldn't handle some criticism from a random fan on Twitter uh, so I guess going to, once again, your uh, claim that social media is a scourge on the land. Um, and that's a big, big reason why, I guess, because it's just there, there's sometimes there's no good that comes up, comes out of it. There's no reason to engage with a random fan who's criticizing your play on Twitter. Can you imagine being a pro athlete and all the criticism that you get from people walking every family gathering? Someone's probably saying, hey, man, I saw that play you missed the other day and. I'm sure he gets all sorts of shit talked to him all the time. If you can't hand him some dude on Twitter talking shit to you and, and you can't respond to him by anything but, but calling him a retard, then you, you probably deserve to get cut. Uh, so he proved to be the real tard. Yeah. So Wait, you can't say that. But I, I just did. You I don't, I don't have 11. Exceptional individual. <laughs> I don't have $11.4 million next year to worry about, so I can say That's whatever true. I want. I mean, we're not – I mean, nobody – Nobody needs to know about our beeping softball video game scheme. <laughs> We've talked about that many times. Yes, we have. Uh, yes, we have. If Sebastian wants to uh, once again go back and, and chronicle our show and, and put up on the internet. <laughs> Sebastian. <laughs> Somebody, some super fan of ours. Uh, so more Eli yeah. for the Giants. No, uh, no Evan Ingram again at tight end. Um, I, I, I hear you when you talk about the the the. Dolphins have been competing and fighting and, and covering Cover all these spreads. Uh, Philly made Eli to Darius Slayton uh, on Monday night look like Montana to Rice. Twice. The Miami D, the, the Miami DBs are worse than the Eagles DBs. Oh, I, that's, that's saying something. 
I it I know, but uh, eight point oh yards per throw the the Dolphins have given up this year, and I I'll take the Giants. I'll take Eli uh, and and Darius Slayton. I'll I'll take the the G men minus three. I, I can't believe I'm doing that. Uh, Tampa and Troy, we uh, we're almost through with these stupid five and six and five and a half point spreads. We got a couple more. This is another one. Uh, Jameis Winston. We didn't talk about this in the recap either. Jameis being Jameis. Oh three picks, my god! Three, three, three touchdowns, three picks. Four touchdowns, three picks. Four touchdowns, uh, three picks. That's Jameis Winston doing Jameis Winston things, including his fifth pick six of the year. Fifth pick six of the year. Yeah. That's, that's Jameis and Winston they, doing that job things. <laughs> and they did 456 yards and, and four they won. TDs, and they won. In between throwing three picks, including his fifth pick six of the year. So. Arians literally have a defibrillator right next to him on the sideline he, at all times. He, he should have a guy ready to, to revive him at any moment uh, watching James Winston play. Uh, <laughs> So more of that possibly uh, as Tampa goes to Detroit Buccaneers at six and seven, five and a half point favorites on the road at the three, nine and one Detroit Lions. Go ahead. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions and the points here. Jameis Winston broke a bone in his right hand and he's going to be absent Mike Evans and the the Lions. Yeah. Another team that's been hard to read this year, but this feels like a spot where they may be tough at home. And Tampa Bay, with the with a quarterback with a a, bru- a quarterback who's already turnover prone with a broken bone in his throwing hand, that so that spells like a recipe that I think that the uh, that the the Lions could keep this close. I could see them very easily losing by a field goal again to Tampa, but I we'll just go ahead and take it because we pick them all, folks. <laughs> take those points. You know- you know, this also sounds like is our our uh, childhood homemade sound effects that we used to do sometimes with uh, got Jameis versus David Blau. This sounds like YOLO fest. <laughs> just two guys just back there throwing it up, and they don't give a rat's ass who's going to catch the ball, whether it's on their team or on the other. Just the YOLO ball. The, 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 the ball. Somebody's going to catch the balls. Might be on the other team, but somebody's going to catch the ball. Uh, so we got Jameis throwing to Justin Watson and Rashad Perriman uh, for these YOLO balls, and, and Blau uh, going to uh, Kenny Galladay and Danny Amendola. He doesn't, have, doesn't even have uh, – uh, uh, someone just got hurt on the Lions. I'm trying to remember who it was um, that he was throwing to, but doesn't even have him anymore. Uh, I think his name was Davis. I, I forget. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm. Not only do I agree and take the Lions and the points in, in the Yolo ball game, uh, but you said you could see the Lions losing by a field goal. How about twenty three twenty? That's what I got. That's exactly oh, okay. uh, how I'm seeing that one. Tampa over Detroit. So I will take Detroit and the five and a half. We are moving on to late game action now. It is Minnesota going out to LA to face the Clippers in the soccer stadium. And the nine and four Vikings are all of a one point favorite on the road at the five and eight Chargers. 
what I find the most interesting is how far this number this number has moved considerably away from the Vikings all week. That the Chargers are starting to get a lot of love for a team that's pretty bad that has reinvented losing multiple times this season and has the worst home field advantage in football. And all of that adds up to me taking the San Diego Clipper Chargers of Los Angeles to win the game straight up. Uh, you asked the question, though, the the, the uh, obvious question that you always ask for a Vikings yes. game. Yes. Do the Chargers have a winning record? And the answer is no. Hell no. They're five and eight. Yeah. And they still scare the hell out of me. Yeah. Because that that's still got you know they got the twelve and four DNA from last year. That's that's the same guys pretty much. Uh, pretty yeah, they, they do. Last week looked pretty legit. Yeah, they they do find ways to lose games. They do invent new ways to lose games. But I still think they they've got that heart. Uh, the Vikings, uh, all four of their losses are on the road this year. Uh, only three and four on the road, as opposed to six and zero oh at home. Uh, and Adam Thielen's hammy is hopefully maybe healed, so he's supposed to come back. But that almost feels like a situation where they're going to force him in and try to uh, make him be part of the lineup again after all those weeks off. Remember the last time he tried to come back, it didn't go well. He, he didn't last very long, and then and, uh, it looked like uh, Kirk Cousins uh, didn't really want to to throw it to him and didn't want to get him too involved. So uh, I'm going to agree. I'm going to take the, the, the Clipper Chargers and, and take the one point. Uh, moving on to uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, and the Arizona Cardinals. The Browns are just I – don't, I don't even know what the hell to make of them. Uh, the six and seven Browns are three point favorites on the road at the three nine and one Cardinals. Uh, yeah, you'd have figured <laughs> that the Browns got the soft underbelly of the schedule here and made a run late. It, yeah, they got the Bengals last week. They barely covered that number. They get the Cardinals here, and the Cardinals are trash. But I worry about that offense because they can they can get hot. They can put up points in bunches. Uh, Kyler Murray seems to have that ability when, when he gets on fire. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, Cardinals put up a whole bunch of points and covered the spread. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the uh, Cleveland Browns here, and just because of the fact that again, this is what I said about the uh, Cowboys when they played the Patriots. Why I thought they would cover the number is basically if you just took a quick poll and said who's got, you know who are the top ten most talented on paper players in this game, almost all of them are going to be on the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are clearly the better team. They're horribly coached. They're going to get their coach fired. But they have almost all of the talent on the field for this game. So I'll take the Cleveland Browns and give them three and not feel very good about it. That's been the truth for most of the year. They've had the talent, most of the talent uh, on the field. And they're six and seven. Um, Yeah, I don't know, like I said, what to make of the Browns. I took the Browns and gave the seven and a half last week because it was the opposite of my intuition. Um, And it worked because they won by eight. So I was was really considering. (laughs) Yes, I did. Really considering taking the opposite of the intuitive Cleveland pick the entire rest of the season. And. That would mean going with the Cardinals in this one because the Cardinals are terrible and then the Browns have so much more talent. Um, and then I looked at the fact that Kyler Murray had had so much success in his rookie year 
uh, not just throwing, but with his legs running. But ever since he suffered that hamstring injury, he has not been running very well at all. He rushed for all of two yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week in that loss. Two yards for someone that really uh, relies on his legs as, as part of his out uh, as part of his uh, total package. Um, that really doesn't sit well with me. So I'm going to have to agree uh, and reluctantly take Cleveland and give the three. Uh, I, I can't go with Arizona as long as Kyler Murray is going to play like that. Uh, on to the Jaguars and the Raiders. Ooh, these two teams, yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Oakland Raiders. The Jags are now four and nine, uh, six and a half point underdogs out in Oakland at the six and seven Raiders. I, I gave up last week on the Jaguars, and there was a very strong temptation to take them against an Oakland team that I think has completely gone into the tank. And the Murga, Murga is back in full effect here. Uh, they had a nice run to start the season, and man, that's a lot of points. But I, no, I quit them. I quit the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm done. I'm going to take the Raiders. I don't trust this Jaguars team one bit to go on the road in this spot out to Oakland and win the game. Uh, give me the Raiders. And again, feeling zero confidence on this pick. That's a lot of points. It is a lot of points, uh, but God, the Jags are just awful. Um, yeah, Josh you, and I, uh, you and I both had some shit Super Bowl picks this year. None worse than me. I'm still claiming the title. Worst pick ever. But yeah, the yeah, because we did – Jacksonville's at least trying. They're just bad. But Atlanta quit. Atlanta liquidated themselves in the first half of the year. Just They just eliminated themselves early on. Uh, Josh Jacobs is supposed to return at running back for the Raiders. Uh, the last uh, outing at the Black Hole. This, this is it for, for Oakland. Finally, after all these years of, of talking about we're leaving, we're leaving, we promise we're leaving, uh, now they're finally leaving, and this will be this will be it. So, uh, you know, Minshew Mania, whatever limited success he had been having, uh, he had been hooking up with DJ Shark a lot, and he's not going to play. So that feels like the sort of last final nail on the coffin to go ahead and, and take the Oakland Raiders, give the six and a half. And because I'm feeling magnanimous, it's the last game in the black hole. It should be a zoo. It should be a wild circumstance, I'm, I'm going to pay a little tribute to, to the Raiders and, and the, the legacy franchise out there. And, uh, I'll go ahead and lock in the uh, the Oakland Raiders. I'll lock in Murga. You know, don't, don't know how many times I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, on to the uh, Atlanta Falcons and the San Francisco 49ers. The aforementioned Falcons who quit a long time ago, but they've, they've had a couple of outings since then. Uh, four and nine Falcons are biggest spread on the board. Eleven and a half point dogs at the eleven and two Forty Niners. Been a interesting amount of run on the Falcons this week. I'm hearing a lot of people in the media saying they think the Falcons are going to cover this number. I don't think they have any chance. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to relish the idea to blow out the team that he took to a Super Bowl as the offensive coordinator. He's going to basically use the Atlanta offensive scheme that got Atlanta to a Super Bowl to do it. They're going to run the Falcons completely out of the building. I hate the Falcons outdoors. I hate the Falcons on grass. They're slower. Everything's a step slower. Things don't work. Matt Ryan and that offense just grind to a halt 
Anytime you get that team off the fast track, I'm going to go ahead and take the 49ers. It's blowout time. The reason I'm going to take Atlanta and those points, uh, even though Calvin Ridley is hurt and, and out for the year, is because of all the defensive injuries and the defensive backfield for the 49ers. You're talking about two cover cornerbacks, not just one, but two of them missing the game. Richard Sherman got hurt. Kwan Williams got hurt. Jaquisky Tart, the safety, is still hurt. He's not going to play either. Throwing is the only thing the Falcons can do. And when you take that many pieces off of the defensive uh, outlook for San Francisco, uh, you see what Drew Brees and the and the Saints did uh, to the number one pass defense in the league and lit them up. Now, this is not on turf, um, and this is not Drew Brees and the Saints. I, I understand all that, but this is still Matt Ryan, who's still pretty good. And this is Julio Jones now without Ridley getting a chance to once again be the undisputed number one, no decoy, no uh, hiding behind and letting some other guys do some things. This is going to be Matty Ice to Julio Jones all day. Um, and like I said, with all those injuries in the 49ers backfield, I think they're going to have some success. So actually I do like Atlanta to, to hang in there and cover that number. On to the Rams and the Cowboys and the big game down in Big D, uh, the resurgent Rams and the desperate Cowboys, uh, the 8-5 and five Rams are actually slightly favored, giving one point at the 6-7 and seven Cowboys. Speaking of trash, how about <laughs> them Cowboys? Oh, my God. Sorry-ass Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if I need to expand on this game too much. I think the Cowboys are showing that that is a team – boy, okay. It's a, first of all, it's a team that's just absolute utter garbage. Somebody's going to have to win the NFC East. It's probably going to be the Cowboys, maybe. But we, what we need to have is that we need to have a, a commercial bowl because, goddamn, if you just watched TV commercials, you would think that the Browns and the Cowboys with, with, <laughs> with uh, Baker and Dak were the yeah. best teams in the NFL by leaps and bounds because you cannot you can watch entire commercial sequences and see nothing but commercials with Baker Mayfield and Dak Prescott and 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 these two neither one of these teams is over 500 that's the beauty of the NFL right now and with with the marketability of of mediocre quarterbacks who they think are going to be hot shit and then they turn out to not quite be so good I'm taking the Rams I thought about locking this up They've, they've gotten back to being themselves. They're running that offense through Todd Gurley. Jared Goff's going to play action the hell out of this thing. The Cowboys, will, the, the da- Dak Prescott, who's also become the king of garbage time yards. Yeah, he's thrown for a lot of yards this year, but he's, you know, that game against the Bears, he had like 100 yards at the end of the third quarter, and they just had a bunch of, compiled a bunch of stats in the fourth quarter. This is not going to keep working. And the, it, you get behind these Rams, they're going to come after you. So I think this just snowballs, and I think the Rams win this one easy. I'm not mad at Dak or uh, Baker Mayfield for getting every endorsement they can possibly get, but I agree with you. I'm sick of seeing both their faces. Um so no Gerald Everett at tight end again for the Rams, but that's okay. They've been making a lot of uh, hay with Tyler Higby uh, at tight end. Uh, for Dallas, uh, potentially very big. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch is going to miss another game at linebacker, and uh, old man Sean Lee had been picking him up and backing him up, and he's likely not going to play. So they might have a really big hole in the in the middle of their linebacker core trying to stop a, a apparently resurgent Todd Gurley 
uh, and the L.A. Rams. Whatever L.A. is doing lately, they need to keep doing it. Um, Dallas, uh, their their offense is ripe for another stinker like they had against the Chicago Bears uh, last Thursday night. But all I can say is I, I think they got to be desperate. They, they had to listen to another week and a half of your coach sucks and he's going to get fired by, by the old idiot up in the, in the, in the owner's box. Um, and they, they got to be sick of it, man. They, they got talent They're I know they, they suck, but there's talent on that team and they're better than that. Ezekiel Elliott is definitely better than this. Dak Prescott has shown at times to be better than this. He's, uh, not playing well lately, but he had a very good first half of the year. They remember he was in the MVP conversation. There's a lot of guys in that conversation at one point, uh, but he was definitely up there as well. They, that's still the number one passing offense in the league, by the way. Um, and, and I think they're gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing out numbers. I, I can I can see your eyes rolling already. Um, I, I'm gonna take the Cowboys. I think they're desperate. I think wow, they're gonna find okay, a way to, to to put it together and. It, be a high scoring game. I don't think they're going to be stopping the Rams anytime soon, but uh, it's uh, kind of like with, with uh, cousins uh, in, in, in LA, this that's, that's road cousins. This is road golf. So I just got the feeling that maybe he'll make the, the, the big mistake at the end to lose a, a very close game. Uh, but I'll take the Cowboys. I think they're really, really desperate right now on Sunday night football, by the way, the really, really desperate is why I kept going with the Eagles all these weeks. And you see what that did for me. So take that pick with a grain of salt too. Uh, on Sunday night, uh, got flexed to Sunday night. It's the Bills and the Steelers uh, in a very surprising game of two teams that are uh, the two wild card leaders right now in the AFC. And as we talked about a little earlier, if Pittsburgh wins this game, they'll actually leapfrog Buffalo and claim the five spot at the moment. Uh, but anyway, the Bills are nine and four. Showing you how hot the, the, the Steelers are. Duck Boy is favored. Buffalo gets a point at the eight and five Steelers. The fact that the Buffalo Bills, who have been clearly one of the class teams in the AFC all season long, are getting any points against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Duck Boy tells you what the betting public and what the general population thinks about the Buffalo Bills. This is this is this is a legacy line. I think this is just well, it's the Steelers. They're going to beat the Bills. No, I'm going to keep going with the Buffalo Bills. We we keep anytime I can get the Buffalo Bills as a value or better than a pick'em against a team starting Duck Boy at quarterback and all the banged up players that are on that. How are the Steelers going to score? That's what I want to know. When somebody explains to me how the Steelers are going to put up enough points to beat out the team, to beat a team that is blowout proof, call me, make the case, tell me, because I want to know. Until then, I'm sticking with the Buffalo Bills. My eyes have told me all season long, Buffalo Bills are the better team. I have no reason to dispute that now. Uh, Juju Smith is down again, as you were uh, making reference to. He's not going to play. Uh, James Conner is supposed to return at running back for the uh, for the Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh has been making a habit of beating teams that are on paper uh, better better than them, and in some cases, much better than them. Uh, so it's it is the legacy of the Steelers that's making them a favorite. It's the sort of magic that they've had this year that that they've been winning these games that people are amazed that they're even winning with, with Mason Rudolph and now Doug Hodges. Um, and also I'll, I'll agree uh, with all those factors and also disrespect of the Buffalo Bills because they're the Buffalo Bills and, and nobody respects them. 
so all those factors play into it. But yeah, if you just look at the two teams, there's no fucking reason the Steelers should ever be uh, considered in the same class as the Buffalo Bills, even though they're uh, only one game behind them record-wise. Um, I think it'll be a low-scoring, close game. I'll, I'll say this uh, over-under locks. This is my under lock of the week. I'll, I'll put that out there. I, I got this. I got this one 16 to nine. I don't know how the the Buffalo Bills give up that many points. Uh, I don't know how the Steelers score many points. Uh, I don't, but I also don't think the Bills will be scoring a whole lot of points either. That that offense is sort of bogged down a little bit. And the Steelers' defense has been playing very, very good football all year. So I think it's going to be uh, sort of a boring, low-scoring, uh, sleep-inducing type of, of of affair. But, yeah, I can't see the Steelers coming out on the other end uh, against the Bills, who have been so solid all year long. I think Buffalo will find that touchdown somewhere in there, and that'll be enough. That'll, that'll be all that they need. On Monday night, the Indianapolis Colts go down to the Superdome and play the New Orleans Saints, and the Colts at 6-7 and seven are, no surprise, a big underdog. They are 10-point dogs at the 10-3 and three Saints. Had the Saints won that game against the 49ers, I may have felt compelled to take some points here and do a little value shopping, but they lost that game. Saints love to play with that chip on their shoulder. They've been playing with the chip on their shoulder all year because they were wronged by the rest, blah, 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 blah. The Colts are a sinking ship. Uh, the Colts were a nice story up until about four or five weeks ago, and since then the wheels have completely come off the wagon for the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Saints here to just roll over the Colts on Monday night, um, try to get back right after losing that heartbreaker against the 49ers. Uh, T.Y. Hilton may return for the uh, Colts in this game, but he hasn't played in a month, so who knows how effective he could possibly be. Uh, on the defensive side, they got two cornerbacks who might be down. Kenny Moore is out. Pierre Desir has a groin. He may uh, not play as well. It's a really, really bad thing to have cornerbacks hurt and missing against the New Orleans Saints, especially considering what you just saw them do on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. Even though they lost the game, they looked as great as that offense has looked in a long, long time. Um, Just too much of a loss of talent for the Colts. They've been fighting all year. They've had a lot of heart, and they've had uh, some really good coaching um, and Jacoby Brissett has probably played a little better than most of us thought he would. Uh, but, yeah, there's just a loss of attrition, just too much uh, for the Colts to deal with. I will concur with you and take the Saints and give the 10 points. Wow, we came in under the wire. With, I don't know how. Is, I tried, you know, I, don't I, 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 I fully am aware that you're going to talk more than I talk when we get into the picks. So I'm going to compress a little bit. So I tried to keep it, tried to keep it simple. I know you got to get your stats out there and give me a – Give all the info on the injuries and stuff. So I was respectful of that and tried not to go overboard here. <laughs> I appreciate you letting me gas bag. I appreciate it. Yeah. After seven years, hey. we finally got the formula down. Is you let me gas bag. That's it. That's I, I have to no, I think what we finally got down was what we've done this season. I think the football party has been a major success. I don't know how you feel, but the, I, I think – the par- the part of the picks where we also don't go through highlight games and take up 40 minutes before we get to the rest of the the pick. Yeah. I think just picking them all, going through them all. I think that works. Um, And I also, I know for just sanity and, you know, time with family and and all that stuff, just the one show a week uh, other than Thanksgiving week, but doing the one show a week, I think has also been, been good. I, I still feel like even though we're doing the show on Friday or Saturday night, I still have enough 
to talk about from the week before that doesn't feel like it's so distant um, that there's nothing to talk about. In fact, I think what it's helped us do is not talk about the bullshit games as much. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I've enjoyed the football party. I, I like this. And then next week, I believe, is a Friday uh, show because right. we have three games next Saturday. And are we done now on Thursday nights or do we get one more? I think we're done. Thursday, uh, you believe? I will um, double check that here. Sounds, that I sounds right. Week 16. Uh, yeah, we are completely done now with Thursdays. So, no, we don't have to tweet our pick out. But next Saturday, we have three games. So, I would I would say the right. I don't want to tweet three picks. So, I would say let's do Friday uh, next week. Yes, that that's uh, that was the plan. Uh to have all our picks on uh next Friday so that we can be clear and free and, and watching the games on Saturday and, and sort of get, getting our playoff primers in because I think that's uh, why they do those Saturday yeah. games is to sort of get people ready for uh what playoff football is gonna be like when you have Saturday and Sunday full of full of NFL football. And uh, uh yeah. For people who aren't aware, we're only two weeks away from the return of the official, in much less detail, I predict dime. We are. You you actually use a dime every time? It's always a dime. Okay. When I flipped the coin, I used a dime because that's what it's been forever. So. Just because. Because the very first time you ever did it, you reached up on top of your grabbed computer the dime. desk and grabbed a dime, and it's always been a dime. And uh, when I did the flipping, Very scientific. Um, when I yeah we yeah but no uh, people learn where week seventeen is so unpredictable. We actually make our picks and compete against the flip of a coin because it is literally a coin flip week because you don't know who's playing golf, you don't know what teams are going to bench people because now they've officially been eliminated from the playoffs. It is just or who's going to bench their starting quarterback. Or only play, you know, maybe Lamar Jackson plays the first series and then he doesn't play right. again. So week seventeen um, is basically like trying to pick preseason football if you're trying to pick spreads. And I don't know why anyone would bet preseason football for the love of God, but yes, it, it is uh, very reminiscent of that. Like you're, you're picking something that you have literally have no idea who's going to play when at, at what time and how long. You you, you don't know. I don't know how anyone can pick that. So, yeah, um, we, we do go against the coin on week 17. The first, I don't know how many years we did that, um, like the first six or seven years, at least one of us lost to the dime, and, and some of those years both of us lost to the dime. That's how bad uh, picking uh, week 17 games are, is we would lose to the coin flip with regularity. It's only oh, yeah. recently the coin, in the last. The coin, the coin used to kick our ass. Right, I mean, we, we've got against the coin in years past, but co- the coin has had twelve and four weeks in week seventeen. That yes, is not uncommon. You and I would do the exact opposite, or we're throwing up like six and ten. <laughs> we're like, man, if we had just flipped coin. Yeah, that's how this all started. And uh, the mm-hmm. old and the uh, my favorite uh, sort of our corollary is, is if you and I both agree and the coin is against us, the coin oh. almost always wins. Always, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's exactly how we came up with that concept is we kept having such shit 
weeks in, in week 17, and we were like, damn, if we just flipped a coin, we could do better uh, than just the picks that we made. And it was like, oh, why don't we just flip a coin and see how <laughs> see if that actually comes true? We did that. The coin just went off. Yes, the coin went ham, and there's nothing we could do about it. I am actually going to try something this year. I'm going to remember to do Uh-oh. this. I am not not for my picks. Before we do the show for week 17, I'm going to have my daughter pick <laughs> all the games. I'm going to bring her up here, get, get the NFL pick watch thing up there, and go through all the games with her. I probably won't try to explain point spreads and all that stuff. Probably easier if I don't. And I'm going to have my daughter pick these games. And for the record, your daughter's seven and doesn't know much about football. She watches some football. She she knows a few of the teams. Uh, she's well. Everyone knows she's the cute factor, but um, Trini is a complete daddy's girl. So whoever I pick is who she wants to win. So it's so <laughs> cute, you know. So she'll she knows that you and I pick all the football games, right? So she knows I do the show. Obviously, she's been on the show, but she knows what we do. And every time I'm sitting there and I'm watching football, Daddy, who'd you pick? I picked this team. Well, that's who I that's who I want to. My son Aww. is the contrarian. My son wants the opposite of everything I pick. My son, who's five, rubbed it in my face. <laughs> he still rubs it in my face because I had the Astros. And he said, well, I want the Nationals because he just had to go against me. And then when the Nationals won the World Series, it was even just last week he was still like, Daddy, I picked the Nationals. You just, you know, <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, you showed Daddy. <laughs> he wants to compete. He wants to beat. Wants to beat the old man. He wants to be what made of. He's, already I, I understand. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, so yeah, that would be that would be great to to have your daughter pick games and, and beat me and, and join in the family tradition of women in your family who beat me at picks. Yeah. Because you're old enough sports. You're yeah. toast. Yeah. yeah, your 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 wife has beaten me before, your your mother uh, famously has beaten me in, in picks. You lost picks. <laughs> you lost picks my mother. I did. I lost the whole season. Uh that 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 story, that was just, I, I still story, can't believe. Story year. I, I didn't hear that. It was the Jim Sorge year, right? Where if you just would have. Yeah. Yeah. Behind uh, after the, the, the early, whatever, something happened that you were so far behind that you forgot to, you're just like, I'm going to lose. And you didn't put in, and if you had put in your backup quarterback, you would have won. The guy you picked up specifically for that week. Uh, so I, I don't think I was behind, but what happened was I did not have my lineup set. I had I didn't know what decision I was going to make Sunday morning before these games started. The night before happened to be New Year's Eve. I am socially inept. I'm usually at home on New Year's Eve crying. I'm not crying, but uh, I'm usually not doing anything socially on New Year's Eve, but this particular New Year's Eve, I decided I'm going to go out. And my dad uh, is a drummer, and he was playing uh, at some bar, and I went out with him and was dancing and 
uh, actually got out on the dance floor with, with people I didn't know and women I didn't know and was, was actually partying and actually having a good time for like the first time in my life just about. Uh, so got back home, it was like five, six in the morning. And I said, I, I'll, you know, obviously go to sleep and then I'll wake up and, and set my lineup and watch this, this day of football was way more tired than I thought I would be and woke up. I'll never forget what the clock says at 1155. And I said, Oh shit. And this was in the days of a desktop computer. That's what I had was, was the big tower, the big desktop. You know, you remember those things take a, a long time to warm up when you turn it on from, from nothing. So I had to wait for it to warm up, and then I had to click on my browser and get it open, and then I had to go to the fantasy website, and all this is taking forever and taking forever, and I got there right at 12 o'clock and got locked out and could not set the guys that I wanted to, to start, and that was why I lost to your mother in the fantasy finals in week 17. It hurt to tell that story, didn't it? I still can't believe it. it it's I'm smiling because it's it's such a, a it's in the distance, so it's it doesn't hurt quite as much. So I'm smiling when I tell it now, but it's just I, my hands are in the air, like my, my palms are. But I lost a fantasy league because I was partying. Me, who never parties ever, I was too tired from partying. I, this just it is literally unbelievable that that happened. But but that that's the whole story. All right. Huh. Well, it was a long show. Um, well, you got anything else? I'm beat. Yeah, like I said, I just had all uh, the notes of the games that we didn't talk about, the, the junk games, like ah. you were saying, that we don't yeah. cover. Um, but but I can, I'll spit out what I had real quick, and, and you can comment on anything if, or none if you don't want to. But uh, I, I did mention that Cleveland uh, – Covering that half a point and, and getting that win for me, uh, even though they didn't deserve it, uh, beating the Bengals. Uh, there's no way I'm going to make anything of that. Uh, but I was laughing all week at, at Odell Beckham being reported as wanting out of Cleveland and denying it to everybody. And then here comes all these secret videos of him. Uh, seems like every time he beats up with somebody after a game, he goes to the quarterback and says, hey, man, come get me. I'm here. Uh, I don't know just how he's going to do <laughs> I don't know how he's going to possibly play play out uh, play that out or, or pretend like that's not really what's going on. I, I don't think he's going to have any explanations for that. Um, I wanted to give props to Danielle Hunter uh, of the Minnesota Vikings, which is uh, I believe his name is pronounced Daniel, but it's spelled Danielle, so I call him Danielle. Um, he is a, a game changing uh, sack machine now. He's uh, he's turned himself into uh, one of the top pressure guys. He uh, had three sacks against uh, the, the Detroit Lions. Uh, the, I believe he was the youngest to 50 sacks uh, with those three sacks, the youngest ever uh, in the history of the league to get to 50 sacks. So congratulations to him. The, the Vikings need that pressure to give that secondary a break. We've talked about how what we observe when we watch the Vikings secondary and how uh, over and over, over aggressive they can be and they, they need a break. They need uh, that pressure up front so they can get a little bit of a break back there because they're getting uh, a little worn out, it looks like to me. Uh, they, they, uh, Xavier Rhodes is getting banged up, and 
Trey Wayne's is getting embarrassed, and uh, they they need uh, that pressure up front from Danielle Hunter to, to to keep them sane back there in the secondary. I'm going to go ahead and put you on mute for a minute and let you give your notes. I have to run for a moment. Live okay. radio moment here, folks. I'll be right back. All right. I uh, don't know if the audio or not, but uh, he he did say he had a whole thing of coffee, so maybe <laughs> probably exactly what that what that is. Uh, we uh, I was just getting to his Packers. That's pretty much the last thing I had. Um, was uh, Green Bay is such a different team when Aaron Rodgers isn't red hot, and uh, they find a way to not cover against the Redskins thanks to a, a stupid good touchdown catch by Terry McLaurin uh, and a nice throw by. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, but really the the Packers shouldn't even be that close to the Redskins for for something like that to make a difference, uh, and that just goes to show how far the the Packers have fallen since, like I said, Aaron Rodgers was so hot a, a couple months ago, and uh, they're they're not hot anymore, and I think they're ripe for for the Bears to go up there and beat them. Although again, I'm a Bears fan, I think they're ripe every year to go up and beat the Packers at last because I Bears fan and I'm I do remember that I had the Bears last year to open the season to go up to Lambeau Field and win that game, and the Bears are beating the hell out of the Packers and knocked Aaron Rodgers out of the game and still found a way to lose the game. I still don't know how the hell that happened. Uh, And if Khalil Mack and those guys have any pride, they're going to remember that, and they're going to go up there and and finish the job this time. Uh, That's how I feel about that. Uh, We'll see if they feel the same way. and the the only other thing that I had was to laugh uh, at the Jaguars, which I, I picked against them so hard that I locked in the Murga, uh, which is really, really trolling. The, that's more about trolling the Jaguars than anything. Um, I heard that the last team before this year's Jaguars to lose five straight games by 17 points or more the god-awful Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 1986, and we're old enough to have been around to remember those terrible, terrible Buccaneers. Those are the Vinnie Testaverde days when their uniforms were this creamsicle color, and they had the gay-looking pirate with a sword in his mouth on the helmet, and it was just uh, it was a bad, bad time to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. This is way before they revamp their look and, and revamp their uniforms and got more set and became a, a world champion franchise uh, under John Gruden. This is uh, long before that. And we are on a, uh, on a level with the 86 Buccaneers when you talk about ineptitude and getting blown out. Um, that's a really bad look for the Jaguars. And that's where they are right now. That's where the Jacksonville Jaguars are falling. Minshew mania, Nick Folmania, the quarterback thing doesn't matter. They're just off the rails completely. That that great defense is – they clearly don't care anymore. They, they've lost their way, um, and they need a culture change. They definitely uh, need to revamp and reset and reboot everything in Jacksonville. So uh, that's about all I had. I thought I'd heard Jason come back in, but apparently not. Um, it'd be up to me to entertain the people uh, if he gets back, and I guess we'll be signing off probably when he when he gets back because that's about all I had. 
Um, so yeah, next week, uh, Friday show, uh, our Friday shows are 10 o'clock central, 11 o'clock Eastern for those, for those of you who listen live, uh, because Jason, uh, works and needs the time to get slow when he gets home. So those are late, later shows than the, the Saturday shows, which are usually nine o'clock central, 10 o'clock Eastern. Um, so that's what we're looking at next week because we have three games uh, on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're done with, with Thursday night. So that was the last one. What a way to go out with Lamar Jackson just shut up, up my ass uh, as his fantasy opponent and putting up five touchdowns and, and 37 fantasy points. Oof, that was that was tough to watch for, for me. Very, very tough. Um, very impressive. It's a football fan, a fan of the Ravens. Uh, they just continue to excel, and uh, it seems like there's no stopping them right now. So very impressive to watch. Sorry about that. Hey, stuff happens. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Don't don't uh, don't drink a huge cup of coffee before the show. <laughs> kind of figured that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Pro tip. You're doing a two-and-a-half-hour show without commercial breaks. Things are going to happen. You know, that's we can count on one hand the number of times we've had to duck out for a bathroom break during the show, and that's in a seven years of, of doing the podcast. That's pretty impressive. Never happens. Yeah. yeah we, we, I guess we both can it well normally, but, yeah, if you have a huge thing of coffee, that'll, that'll put a, a crimp in your plans. Yeah, thanks for uh, man in, man in the fort. I'm sure you were dropping the football knowledge there, so it's good to be back. More gas back in. I was I was in my element. I'm always happy to to give you the floor. <laughs> uh, no, I was uh, talking about the the Packers and and how they are such a different team when Aaron Rodgers isn't so red hot and. Uh, the fact that they couldn't cover against the, the Redskins last week, that was a good catch by Terry McLaurin and a good throw by Dwayne Haskins, but still, you shouldn't be that close to the Redskins for them to even have a backdoor cover like that. Uh, no. No, that that was, I watched that entire game, and that looked like it was going to be a runaway win, and you just kind of had that feeling like the Packers just got bored and just stopped scoring, and they just sort of just yeah, they, I think they knew they had it, and that can be very dangerous because that is that is a moment when the team can all of a sudden a fluky play, block punt, something strange happens, and the next thing you know, that team is winning the game. And yeah, the Packers I think took that one for granted, and it looked like it. They uh, are not historically a team that just plays to the level of their competition. They totally did. They totally did in that game. And the. Uh... Other thing I was laughing at was a stat I had heard during the week that uh, laughing again at your Jaguars again, a, a, still a worse pick by me taking the Falcons to win the Super Bowl, but the Jaguars are really bad. The la- I don't know if you had heard this stat. The last team before the Jaguars to lose five straight games by 17 or more points in a season were the god-awful Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 1986. And wow. we're old enough to remember those Buccaneers from 1980, the Vinny Testaverde days and the, the oh, yeah. creamsicle uniforms and the, the gay pirate on the helmet with the sword in his mouth and all of that. And 
Uh, it was not a good time to be a Buccaneers fan back then. When you're on a level with that team, when you're being mentioned with the 86 Bucks, you know you are really, really bad. Not, not as bad as the 78 or 76 Bucks, but that's bad. No, not quite. Uh, they, the, the 86 Bucks did win at least, but but we weren't we weren't even watching football for the for the the no. winless Bucks, so we can't really even relate to them. But we were watching those 86 Bucks, and they were terrible. They, they may have only won like one game. I think one of those Bucks Bucks teams won like one game, won one fifteen or something like that. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a long time ago. So that's what I was uh, gas bagging about. Uh, do you have anything else, or are we about finished here? No, I, th- I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I'm just gonna wind down the night here and head to bed soon. All right. So y'all, y'all, are y'all finished or y'all done? Uh, I think we're done. All right. Uh, yeah. So, like I was saying, uh, next Friday at uh, ten o'clock Central, eleven o'clock Eastern, because you get off of work a little later. So that's when we'll yeah, have next the, Friday uh, night the Friday we'll show. The ten o'clock show next Friday night. All right. Sounds good. All right, that'll do it. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been, in much less detail, the podcast, another long football party in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening, and get ready for your football on tomorrow, week 15 continuing, and the season continues to wind down. Only three weeks of regular season football to go, and hopefully we can follow up on our 10 and 4 weeks and and, and keep our geniusness going. Um, up our uh, games real quick before we leave here. Um, it's always it felt like we disagreed on them all, but we didn't. Um, three, four, five. Looks like only five. Okay. And so five, and then one on Thursday we disagree. So we only disagreed on six for the week. Yeah, ten that we that we're in lockstep on. That's that's a lot. Usually a bad sign. <laughs> Usually it is. Last week uh, we didn't have a whole lot of disagreement uh, either. So that's that's true. I, so we're, so you're, we're, just, you're just you know the less games we disagree on is less chance I get to catch up to you here because I believe I'm down seven after Thursday night. Does that sound that's right? That's right. Yep. We're, we're we're playing that that long game. We're just trying to stay close and then be be in striking position for the playoffs. That's that's what we're doing right now. Uh, my whole idea is to stay close on the percentages and keep that lock point. And uh, yeah. All right. Well, well, we'll see how it turns out tomorrow. All right, everybody, enjoy your football tomorrow, and we will be. Oh, we sh- I, I should mention. Um, I don't, she she won't hear this until unless she listens to the after show. But um, I don't know if you were aware of what had happened uh, to Cast for Football Fan Rush Radio. I um, I saw I saw uh, I did see. Yeah, so just uh, to send our uh, condolences. She lost her uh, her partner, the the father of her children, uh, in a motorcycle accident. A drunk driver came along and took him out, and uh, terrible terrible tragedy uh so our wishes and and condolences to cast from football fan rush radio uh, can't imagine the 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 time that she's uh going through right now and uh all we can say is our is our best wishes and, and prayers out to her and her family
All right. And with that, we are done. Uh, enjoy your football tomorrow, and we will be back Friday night to recap Week 15 and get ready for Week 16 in the NFL. We will talk to you then. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus